That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome to Bat Force Radio, the Batman slash DC podcast with no limits, the most thorough, well-rounded, and consistent Batman podcast there is, with industry guest interviews, new comic book reviews, as well as old story arc reviews, movies, animation, video games, collectibles, and everything imaginable from Batman and the DC universe. So definitely subscribe to Bat Force Radio over on iTunes and SoundCloud, and welcome to Gotham City. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, Batman and DC podcast with no limits. This is our weekly-ish stack episode where we take you through the DC comics releasing for Wednesday, May 9th. Let's get the uh, panel out of the way. This is Robin Cross from Canada. We got the Bat Force Times from New York. We got the Trunkler from Chicago. Hey, what's going on, guys? Grandpa Batman from Texas. At your service. <laughs> Legends of Lego Omnibus from California. OTO, baby, OTO. Uh, Bat Force Tom, also from California. I do not stand with anything DJ Khaled stands for. <laughs> oh! <laughs> well, that, that was actually going to be my first question. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so this week's releases include a, a special finale episode. Uh, it's, it's a big deal, so we're doing a, a big special episode with the big special guest. This guy is best known for some of the most iconic art in indie comics, having worked with creators like Grant Morrison, Scott Snyder, Rick Remender, Mark Millar, and Jason Aaron, while at times dabbling in superheroes. Until late 2017, when he threatened to take over superhero comics with the beginning of Batman White Knight, an eight-issue non-canonical miniseries that managed to make the top ten sales charts every month, even in the presence of events like Metal and Legacy, even outselling titles like Amazing Spider-Man. This week, the series comes to its massive end, and joining us to take you through it is the guy who makes everyone else in comics look like a nerd, <laughs> Mr. Sean Murphy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah! All right, all right, all right. <laughs> no, I didn't know there's six of you. Wow, I didn't know there were this many people. This is great. Yeah, well, a lot, a lot, a lot of sausages in this stew. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's just get in. Let's get in with the sex jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we roll. Uh, first of all, thanks, uh, thanks obviously for your time for uh, for putting yeah. up with us. Uh, how's yeah. everything for you lately? Good. Um, yeah, it's been a crazy year, you know. Um, I can get into it later, but, you know, I had some idea of what the book would do, but I didn't know it would be as big as it has. So, yeah, the last year has been sort of some adjusting to the success, sort of losing my anonymity a little bit. Um, but, you know, hey, it's all it's all in good fun. It's all selling. It's all making money. You know, you guys seem happy. So, yeah, I'm happy to do it. It's been a great year. I really can't complain. This isn't your first time being a writer, though, but... How is that transition, you know, going from being known mostly as just an artist to now, uh -huh. you know, a writer and an artist? 
Um, yeah, it's like the top of the mountain, and I honestly don't know what else to do after this. I mean, writing and drawing your own Batman universe, where you're off the grid, and DC's generally unaware of what you're doing, as long as you play by the rules in some way, that's kind of not anything that a lot of people get to do. So, I mean, at this point, you could throw X-Men at me, and I'd be like, meh. You know, it's not, it's not gossip. <laughs> no, I was going to say, it's good to be with you guys. You know, I, we were talking before, and uh, uh, I don't do a lot of podcasts. I try not to, I try to keep my bandwidth very selective and not bother everybody with white noise. Um, so I only try to do one of these a year. And, uh, you know, I listened to some of your reviews and stuff, and I really appreciated your enthusiasm. And I guess I've met a couple of you in the past, like the guy from Brooklyn. Where are you? Yeah, we uh Batman Day and then five points last year, so I'm like yeah, okay. around. Yeah. I thought I recognized your voice. I thought I'm like, I think I know that guy. <laughs> Sounds like everybody else in Brooklyn. Yeah, basically, yeah. Like, that's but, the voice of the guy that stands over me when I'm sleeping. <laughs> hey guys, like I said earlier, being that we just read the finale to White Knight, let me just get another round of applause for uh, White Knight oh, before we get into yeah. it. I was, you know, I wanted to record with you guys because, you know, you seem really enthusiastic. You seem like guys I'd hang out with. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just I turned down a lot of other offers because I kind of wanted to do it with you guys. So I appreciate you reaching out to me like this, you know. I'm hey, looking forward to talking. I was telling these guys recently, they're going through White Knight over and over again. And it's a bold statement, but I, I, I was talking to Robin about it earlier, but I don't think it could be challenged. At this point in Batman mythology and comic books, you... You might be the greatest combination of artist and writer at this point. Whoever's tried yeah. to take up both tasks at once. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's standing the test of time. I talked to a lot of other like, like snarky critical reviewers all across the board, but YouTube <laughs> and whatnot, yeah. and they, they're all everything is in uniform. It's like he's hitting it. Yeah. He's nailing it. Um, no, I really appreciate it. No, I feel like it means a lot to me when people are like, "Where did this guy come from? Is... <laughs> <laughs> How? Oh, actually, well, like a Frankenstein of." I don't know. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I remember yeah. how entrenched I was with Tokyo Ghost, and I was like, once I, you know, once we learned that you were doing Batman, I was like, this is, this is going to be intense. But the first thing we wanted to ask, uh, to really get into, was the conception of this story, White Knight, and the pitch to DC. Like, how did this all come to be? Well, um, I'll be honest with you. I, um, I uh, Scott wanted to do um, Batman last night with me, right? And my exclusive, my exclusive was finished. Uh, a couple of years back, and I said to DC, you know, okay, you know, make me an offer. So they hit me with a page rate, and I said, you know, I've just done all these books with Image. I know my rate. I know what I could get by doing my own thing. Um, I'm kind of tired of working with other writers, and uh, I feel like, you know, my, my wife wants me to make as much money as I can, so I think I'm just going to go do an Image book. So I, I called Scott, and I said, hey, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to bow out of Batman. You know, I don't want to ask DC for a pay increase, because they're just not set up that way. They're not going to, they they don't to them, I'm just some guy who draws like Paul Pope or whatever. They're not going to see it. So I called DC and I said, you know, I appreciate the offer, but I'm just going to back out and go to Image. And, then, and I walked out. Um, and um, my editor wrote me an email and he's like, okay, give me like your list. Give me a list of things that you want and let me just see what I can do. So I, I gave them a fuck you list. And I say that, <laughs> I, I say that the nicest way possible. <laughs> I know. And honestly, like DC's, you know, DC's paid for my house, they, my cars. I mean, I've got, they are like, you know, it's a business, but yeah, I do consider them to be family and stuff. So I, you know, I don't have any reservations about it. But, um, so I gave them a list. I'm like, okay, you want to keep me? I need this much for page rate. I need this signing bonus. I need 
Punk Rock Jesus back. I need the deal that Capullo has, and I need a, a series where I write and draw Batman. <laughs> God damn. Oh damn. And you just slapped it on the table, boy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I met with uh, the Dio, and uh, I told him the same thing. And he's like, what do you want to write and draw for? And I was like, well, you've been milking Frank Miller for 30 years. And at some point, you're going to need you're gonna need another Frank Miller. And I'm not saying I can compete with the great Frank Miller by no means. But as a business opportunity, who else on the horizon can possibly fill those shoes? I don't see anybody but me. So I feel like I'm a good bet. And I'm not late. I'm not an asshole. You know, I don't, I don't have a drinking problem. I don't blow my money on strippers. I'm reliable, man. <laughs> Give this to me. You will not regret it. Yeah. So I laid it out for him. Hey, uh, and, uh, short, short. You, you drive a hot bargain. But yeah, okay. I was wondering how I could trigger your Dio voice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dan. Good to see you. Hey, always a pleasure, short. Always yeah. a pleasure. Yeah, sorry to put you over a barrel, Dan. <laughs> hey, in a position like most these days, it seems like. <laughs> I remember uh, a short time before White Knight began seeing a tweet from you. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure it wasn't uh, you know just to, to be bravado, like you know you were uh, you know probably uh, hype, working on hyping your product. But I remember your tweet saying DC hired me to be their secret weapon, and yeah. soon I'll be unleashed. Uh, yeah, Dan said that. He goes, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna sign you, Sean. I feel like if there's a a cold war between us and Marvel. I feel like you're probably the, the secret bo- the secret bomb or something. <laughs> and I was like, yes, make me your secret bomb for this page rate, for this signing rate, for this. Give me that. And I will be your I will be your bomb. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I try not to sound arrogant when I tweet, but I thought that was pretty funny. And I, I think I you're right. I did tweet that. <laughs> and and it fucking paid off, Dan. Yes, <laughs> I would say so. You know, Sean. I was reading this, and it's not a surprise that it's hitting with DC and you know Marvel and, and all comic readers because it, it kind of reads like a love letter to fans. Yeah. You know, it yeah. kind of reads like you take from the film, you take from what fans have been wanting for so long yeah. with certain characters, and yeah. you also kind of put in some uh, you know modern social events and, and the attitude of society and things like that, and. And yeah. bring it all together. And um, one, I want to thank you for that, okay. because you know, the, yeah. you know, and and I know it was probably difficult for you. You probably had to knock a few heads around with editorial about what you can and can't do and say yeah. in some of your books. Um, this book hit on so many levels in such in such an intelligent way. It, it's just fucking awesome. And yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Well, and um, also, you know, because when I walk into a store, I don't see a lot of teenagers in the stores buying and reading comics. Mm-hmm. And this book is, you know, right under that mature level where I think if, if you had been putting this book out, like maybe a year later, it'd be on, you could get away with saying more of what you wanted. We, we know yeah. what you want to say under that black label. Um, that's <laughs> coming out. Yeah. And I hope you get that chance. I really hope it, you do. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, it, it is a love letter to Batman. It's, it is, in a way, fan fiction. Uh, but so is every Batman story. And um, mm. yeah, I definitely wanted to bounce off of, um, you know, animated series and kind of ask myself, where would this be in 20 years after that cartoon ended? And how can I add my own spin and stuff like that? So yeah, yeah it's crazy. I don't know what it is about um, teenagers. And I have a lot of people who are reading it and they're reading comics for the first time. And I honestly can't tell you 
why that's happening. You know, if there's a ton of good Batman stuff out there, I don't know what it is about this one. Well, you know? yeah, I, you know, I could kind of speak from experience of a different um, yeah, variety. Yeah. You know, like uh, I think what, and maybe it's because of you know where where your influences for Batman specifically are being pulled from. But like you mentioned, you mentioned the animated series. When I was reading this, the first couple of flavors I got was animated series, but also um, the Burton verse. <clears throat> yeah, and so I think that. Uh, you know, there's people that are kind of spread across that kind of um, generation or generations that you're hitting certain things and you're showing us things that we maybe had forgotten or things that we loved that we didn't think could ever be topped in comic form yeah. that really draws people in who probably don't read comics. You know, this is sometimes um, kind of what happens with the video games where like the video yeah. games. Yeah. Draw people that don't really don't really read the comics or even even watch the films, but right. you start yeah. playing. You know, you play Arkham Knight, and it's like, holy shit, this feels like animated series. And so that's what your book does. Yeah. Um, getting back a little bit to what you were saying, um, and kind of what, what Gramps was asking for a book like Punk Rock Jesus, it's yours. You know, you kind of right. got to do what you wanted to do. You right. have all those different societal undertones in there. You got a message in there that you can get away with right. because it's a completely uh, new story with. Yeah. White Knight, uh, you read some of this stuff, and it's like, oh my God, you're challenging, you know, our understanding of certain characters and timeline so much that it questions how did they let you get away with this, or how did they, <laughs> like, what did they say when you brought yeah. this to them and said this is what I, I, do. I did not, uh, I didn't really ask permission. I, <laughs> I, I was supposed to work with Scott on. They signed me. They, all right, so they gave me most of the stuff I was asking for on my list. And I said, okay, you, you do your Batman book, but you got to do this book with Scott because we know that's going to sell and we need to make our money back, which makes sense. Um, and there was a lot of delays on last night. I think Scott, Scott's in high demand. He kept getting pushed back. And, you know, he and I are very, very close. So, you know, it's, it's totally cool um, that that happened. Um, but after a while, I finally was like, you know what, I'm just going to start working on it. And I, I pitched my editor. I gave him a loose pitch and he, he liked it. And we agreed on the title and I kind of stopped checking in for most of it. I, I think I did about five issues without wow. really talking to anybody. Um, and <laughs> at one hand, I was getting annoyed, like, really? Like, they're, I'm, I'm flattered to have this trust, but I'm working in a vacuum, and I was starting to get a little bit stir-crazy, you know? Um, I felt like I had the keys to the Batmobile, and I'm doing figure eights in the parking lot behind <laughs> DC Comics, and nobody is looking. You know, <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna do two Harley Quinns. I'm not gonna ask them because if I ask well, them, not... they're just gonna say no. I know. I'll make Joker kind of, kind of maybe bisexual, in love with Batman, or kind of in love with the idea of Batman. Whoever you want to interpret it. I'm not gonna ask permission. I'm just gonna do it. And I kind of plowed through that way. And I think being an artist helped because if I draw the page, they're gonna have to pay me to redraw it if they don't like it. So. <laughs> So I drew, I skipped ahead, I'm like, bam, two Harley Quinns. Make me redo that panel, Dan. Nice. I, I, I was going to say it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission, yeah, yeah. but in this case, it's easier to ask for more money to redo it than permission. <laughs> he, yeah, exactly. He, he, I, I met with um, this guy at DC, Larry Gainham, who's a, a friend, and he and I were having breakfast in Chicago, and I, he was telling me, like, how did you come up with this? And I'm like, honestly, man, I, I didn't ask permission. He goes, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, you know, I knew if I asked, he might say no, but I knew, I generally knew the rules, and I know my readers, and I knew what, what would work, and I know how to frame it in a way where, like, White Knight seems like it might piss off a lot of readers, but it doesn't. And I just kind of had the sense that I think I can walk that line very carefully. Mm -hmm. And I told all of this to Dan, uh, Larry, who works at DC, and he's like, 
it's probably good you didn't ask permission because we would have said no to a lot of these ideas. <laughs> Dude, he, but yeah, he said it works. So to- yeah. totally Todd McFarlane Spider Man that he was ready to go in and just no. You know, it's funny. I was listening to an uh, interview with Todd, and some of the stuff he says and his phrasing is like he's in my head. Okay. And uh, I've I've talked to him on the phone. I've never met him, but that guy is like wired for business. So yeah. I I have yeah. a ton of respect for him. And I think yeah. if he and I ever meet and got drunk, we would just. Yeah, so you know, I fucking told him. Here's my fucking. All right, uh, I said, "Fuck you, make him do it." Okay? <laughs> oh man, hey, what does your uh, Rob Liefeld sound like? Oh man, uh, <laughs> it, it just it just sounds. It, oh, you imagine you pockets imagine what belt pouches would sound like. Right, and that's like it sounds like characters with no feet. You're deadly because you never hear the footsteps. <laughs> Dude, I, 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 I love it though. I mean, the Mavericks of comic book, the Mavericks: Frank Miller, Tom McFarlane, John Murphy. Now, Sean, uh, you know, I, along with a lot of the guys right here, um, with the generation that would run home after school, put the big television on with the antenna to totally. watch the animated series, yes. right? Now, yeah. past, uh, especially the past four to five years, I'm going to be really honest, I was a huge Harley Quinn fan back in the day and, and from her inception. But the past couple of years, between the tone that the comic book was hitting, it was just a bit corny, the over-marketed, hot-topic Suicide Squad nonsense and the over-over-over-saturation yeah. of merchandise led me to... I mean, they even renamed the Omnibus mm-hmm. from Gotham City Sirens to Harley Quinn. I, I stopped liking yeah. the character. I really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. White Knight. Honestly, I... Then we opened White Knight, and I'm like, you brought her back. You you put the fucking voltage back in her and brought the brought Harley back to Gotham, but you also evolved her because like she is brilliant in this story. What was was she a big driving force in where you wanted to go with the story initially? Yeah. So I mean, my I started off with three ideas. I I wanted to have two Harley Quinns. I wanted to fix the Harley Civil War between classic Harley fans and Suicide Squad Harley. And I had a a way I thought would make both people happy, you know. Um, And I I wanted to do a Mr. Freeze kind of origin story where he was this uh, like Baron Von Braun, basically, a historical figure. And I also wanted to have a Joker that was cured, who gave Batman a run for his money in a way that that crazy Joker never could, you know what I mean? So with those three ideas, I kind of set out and started to weave the stories together. And then I knew I wanted to have Batmobiles, and you know, it just kind of came together issue by issue, I guess. Took care of that joke, uh, that cosplayer jokerette real good. Yeah, well, I knew that was coming. I knew that that phrasing is on the tip of readers' tongues, so I'm like, eh, just throw it in there. And I think there's another Joker in issue eight says uh, cosplay jokerette or something he calls. Mm. You yeah. call her a, a pathetic hot topic shoplifter. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, God. It, is what it, it is what it is. What are you going to do? Uh, I love it. I love that. I was always curious when you did split the atom and create Neo Joker. By I'm just out of curiosity, did you have Debbie Decay in mind? Because uh, maybe I'm just seeing similarities, but I just. Or maybe I'm just so in love with Debbie as well that I was like, was there some inspiration to it? Or? Yeah. Well, honestly, I'm not. I don't think I'm that good at drawing women, to be honest. A lot of my women look the same. And um, I think Debbie just looks like Harley because I have like three female faces that I that I draw. <laughs> so it's probably a drawing uh, handicap more than anything else. But yeah, I mean Debbie Duquet is 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 cute but strong and lethal when she needs to be. She's love sick. So yeah, I, I never thought about it, but you're right. Um, there's a ton of Harley Quinn in, in Debbie Duquet. You is, know, is Neo Joker kind of like your 
Kerry Kelly to a viewer that way to send me like you know Frank Cradles's creation, or are you like kind of <laughs> open? To, are you just like shelving her and open some more characters? You mean like uh, owning owning her as a character? Yeah, like or? owning her, and wanting to evolve her, like you know, because but yeah. she's your creation. That's why, like you know, it's not every day DC you know lets you create. A character. Yeah. Like, no. Well, the trick is you don't ask. You well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's like so. I, I went and I took all these chances because I'm like, you know, if the book sells and they're they're just gonna say, oh, we always knew that White Knight was gonna be awesome. Like, yeah, okay, Dan, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like when I was creating it off radar for eight months straight, and no one knew what I was doing. I'm glad you were all very, you know, much in my corner. <laughs> but uh, no, sorry to get off topic a bit. But yeah, so Neo. Um, so I wrote issue two where the secret about the two Harleys is revealed, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with Suicide Harley, who had just been shamed after issue two. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not a big Suicide Squad cheerleader fan of that Harley, but I know a lot of readers are, and I want to salvage this character. I don't want to just take a shit on her, and then that's it. <laughs> so I thought, well, what if she's like a, you know, the angry ex-lover and her motivations driving the entire story to get Jack back. So she's like the dark angel and uh, Harley, classic Harley, is the, the good angel, like the devil and the angel on the shoulder, basically. And um, yeah, and I felt that that was a good way to, to take Suicide Harley and make her her own character. She's empowered. She's in charge. She, she makes way more progress than any other villain in history. I mean, she sort of piggybacks off of um, Jack Napier's plans anyway, so she kind of cheated. But she, she holds her own. I mean, even Mad Hatter is kind of impressed by how capable she is. I mean, she upgrades from sidekick to supervillain pretty quickly, you know. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with her next. She honestly doesn't really have an identity. Mm. Um, like, I know that she's an angry ex, ex-girlfriend, ex but after this, like, she needs something else to stand on her own. I'm not sure what that would be yet. Well, I think, I think the idea of the two Harleys really worked out after reading um you know issue eight with the reveal at the very end you hit a home run for a long time back crap he's been begging for harley to come back to gotham but uh-huh. you know you 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 made her an intelligent you made her a doctor again yeah one that you know the core of the character is that you know she's a psychologist she's yeah. a very intelligent woman and yeah. she knows how to decipher and interpret and read people it's revealed that this whole plan was you know hers in the first place i mean yeah, that was yeah. it was fucking brilliant you know oh thanks yeah that so so you guys read the final issue i take it yeah, yeah. oh yeah yes so yeah spoilers um so it turns out that the real white knight of gotham is not necessarily jack napier although you could argue that but in a way it's harley because she kind of hit knocked over the first domino and she kind of got the ball rolling and she was there to guide jack every everywhere along the way to keep him keep him smart keep him sane keep him honest in a way i mean they, they they're still criminals and they broke the law a little bit but um, you know, by the end of it, I feel like Jack's plea of saying, you know, yeah, I broke the rules, but so does Batman. You know, how are we really that dissimilar? He's kind of right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. But yeah, I, I thought it would be cool to bring in Harley's, um, Harley creates the medications. Like she knew that Jack was buried inside. She knew that by Jack coming to the surface that Gotham would learn a lot from him, even Batman. And, you know, maybe the best person to keep Batman in check is joker but you know the good person inside of joker in a way you know so i basically took joker and turned him into two-face for for eight issues you know uh i, I don't know if it, this was answered previously somewhere on the social observer but uh what happened to selena was uh was she left out because of what king was doing or you didn't want to have her in or no uh i you know i, I don't get why i took her out i think that 
I meant to have a love story in the book at one point, and I felt like if Selena was there, it would distract Bruce from ah. whoever whoever he was. So I'm like, you know, there's tons of characters in it. Maybe I'll save Catwoman for something else. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I had no idea what Tom was doing. I had no idea Scott was doing metal. I had no, I had no idea that Telltale was touching on some of the same topics that they oh, are. Oh, yeah. Know? I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I, I really did create it on an island. There were two people at DC who had any idea in what I was doing. Most There was a gap in the publishing schedule in the fall. DC was like, well, Sean's working on that thing. Why don't we just publish that? Okay. And then once he's done with that, he can go on with this thing with Scott. But White Knight became such a hit that they said, you know, maybe, maybe we should um, talk about a sequel instead. <laughs> oh, please. Um, yeah. Do, do you feel like this might have been something that kicked the door open for a black label? Because that's what it's been sounding yeah. like. Recently. Yeah, in, in their own words, I think they said um, they've had black label on the back burner as an idea for three years now. I've been hearing about black label. Yeah. And I always thought of it as like DC Max, basically, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, but I don't know what the hesitancy was. But I think that Mr. Miracle and White Knight were sort of what they were intending for black label. So once these books came out and they could show proof of concept through the sales, then Black Label got approved. So we kind of jumped the gun a bit. I'm not sure they would have gotten around to making it a Black Label, making Black Label at some point. Um, but the good news is, and this goes back to a question you asked earlier, is um, the trade will be Black Label trade. Ooh. Oh. So, but I'm going to put the swears back in, and there's not a whole lot in there. Um, I got a nude scene where with Harley and Joker. Um, <laughs> I want to move the word balloons away from the nudity. Um, I mean, I come from European comics influence, so I don't see the big freaking deal when it comes to nudity and dicks and all. <laughs> as long yeah. as you're equally showing men and women. Yeah, we saw in Tokyo Ghost, man. That was uh, quite oh, heavy. God, yeah. <laughs> Dude, we yeah. read Jungle Fantasy, so put it all in there. <laughs> yeah. For research. Uh, I mean, so this, uh, this, this is sort of backtracking, but uh, I, I mentioned at the top uh, about the the sales success of the book, and yeah, sure, it sold great. Yeah, sure, people love it. Yeah, sure, I'm sure award nominations are coming. But fuck all of that, because the most surprising achievement to me was that your book got the stamp of approval from everyone in our group. And that never fucking happened. Nice. Guys, great friends of ours, Scott Snyder, Tom King, like nothing that they do wins every one of us over. Yeah. Huh. We, we, got a, Scott. <laughs> we have a guy called the Grumpler. <laughs> And uh, yeah. he's named that for a reason. And, uh, yeah. and, and Very specific reason. Yeah. And he's like, you know, get DC Editorial Line 2. Just put the absolute out. Don't even waste time with the trade. Just get the hard Yeah, line. yeah. He's the one that actually tweeted you. I want to say it was maybe yesterday or the day before saying that after the dust is settled, the the uh, sands of time will show that uh, White Knight <laughs> is a gem amongst the, the current timeline of, uh, of yeah. comics that we see. So, And I when I saw that tweet, I was like, holy shit, no way. He liked it that much. Yeah, no. This is a guy that once, like three, four years ago, Scott Snyder replied to one of his <laughs> comments on Instagram <laughs> and said, whoa, don't be so hostile. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. I remember that guy. No, I hey, that guy. Sean. Sean, I wanted to ask you, um, because... 
I don't know if everyone knows, but your wife is also an author. Is that correct? Uh, yes, she did not help me at all. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I, I, well, what I wanted to ask me. was, you know, yeah. it, with a professional author, you know, in your household, you know, I was I was curious if you ever bounced off, you know, any ideas about like how to write certain characters or anything like that. But you just answered that. But well, no. So she has not read the book. Um, wow! Wow! Guns. It's gun to her head. If you made her distinguish between my art and Tom McFarland's, she would not know the difference. Like, I am wow. mad. <laughs> mad. I, know. I know, right? Um, wow, it's it's, it's got to be the spaghetti webs. It's, you know what? I don't, I don't read her erotic romance novels either, so it's fine. Hey, I, I have seen videos of you reading her erotic romance novels. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Tell me. People uh, read this shit? What, are, what are the name of those books? Uh, Soul Stripper. Um, I can't remember right now. <laughs> you know what? What's now that we're mentioning that? Um, I did see that. I, I can't remember if it was like you tweeting about it, but something where you guys were traveling or she was traveling and she had to take some of your original pages, yeah. and T TSA like like did a check and was looking at them and they were all like, oh shit, and they were all looking at your White yeah. Knight like originals and your wife's kind of like shaking her head like, oh boy. It was funny. One time I was going through customs from France, and I had a bunch of um, va American vampire pages, which, oh. had, which had swastikas all over. Yes, oh, the Nazi. Yeah. That, that is one of the fucking craziest looking, <laughs> most amazing ever, by the way. But I was going to ask Thanks. about that. What happens when people see that shit? Um, you know, they're a little. Well, I have a, I, I have a pocket full of cash because I just came back from a show, so I look like a drug dealer. But then they check. <laughs> My bags, and they see that I'm some weird, you know, Nazi art collector. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to talk them off the ledge. You know, these guys are French, and they don't think it's funny. And I'm like, no, 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 I draw comics. I know it's a crazy job. You know, I, who would have thought that this would make any sense? I don't get it either sometimes, right, fellas? Um, yeah, they let me have everything. Set me on my way. But that was a, yeah. That is I get, awesome. I get caught up in customs in France now and when I go to Ireland because they think I'm in the IRA or something. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, Mr. Thomas from... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's another question real quick. You know, a little bit off topic, but the guy that bought all your original stuff, what, so what exactly did he... What did, what did he purchase again? Um, he, um, he's a big collector in Europe and Israel and those kinds of places. Uh, and he wanted to buy my whole back catalog of art. So anything that was pre-Batman that I still had. And I'm really lucky to move most of my originals. Um, he just bought it all up. And I don't know if he's going to start a gallery, you know, start charging tickets or something. I mean, it's his choice to do what he yeah. wants, you know. So I'm sure I'll hear an update at some point. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what he's got in mind. But I appreciate it because... Because that, that's why you have five new cars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. GTO, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you caught that, right? <laughs> the most, it's yeah. the most, like, that's the one thing that I'm a little embarrassed about in White Knight is I wanted the police force to be called GTO because obviously GTOs are awesome. But I had to force the acronym to work. So I'm like, Gotham <laughs> Terrorist Operative? No, that makes it sound like terrorist. Gotham, like, Gotham something something. It has to be GTO. 
Hey, it works, man. I don't think you have anything to be embarrassed about in this fucking story oh, no. ever. I, so. I can tell you what, right? I regret. I regret a few things. I regret Batman's boots because uh, they look Why? like they look like thigh highs that a whore was there. Dude, I want to. <laughs> no, dude, dude. I want an action figure so bad. Actually, I want, oh, actually yeah. Yeah. DC. Yeah, we got to get DC collectibles on the line to get um the action oh, figure line yeah. with yeah. the cars, though. We got to get them with the cars, right. you know. So. Um, so there's two on the way. I don't know how soon or if, if it's gonna be, but I, it's a it, the black and white um, eight-inch figure is coming out with the my version with the collar and all that stuff. Nice. And then there's another a 12-inch colored figure that's basically cover one, where he's stepping out of the cockpit oh, of the Batmobile. Oh, and I I think they're gonna uh, mold the entire cockpit of the Batmobile and spray paint it. With Joker's tag, which is like, you know, you had your chance with Batman stepping out of it. I think that's what they're intending. That's, so that's, go- that's gorgeous, man. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was, I was surprised. I'm like, you know, do you want me to make his feet flat, or you're gonna just render the whole car? And I was kind of hoping they'd be like, we're just gonna make a diecast. You know, what? we're just gonna build the Batmobile and just send it to your house. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and that's that. That's a perfect example of just going and doing your thing and not asking questions. You know, you gave Batman like a collar. Yeah. In this, and I mean, it kind of works as kind of like a vampire type look, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would be if there's a um, with I can I cannot confirm a sequel right now officially. Wink, wink. Um, but, if, <laughs> but if I did, there there is a little bit of like um old Gotham Castlevania style things that are gonna happen oh, that might oh. happen too. So the Batman looking like Dracula, even like Arkham Asylum looks like Dracula's castle. Um, it was very intentional. So I'm gonna keep uh, beating that drum through mm. through a series. Wow. Yeah, yeah, man, that was just fucking beautiful. I mean, Thanks, man. No, I, you know, we, we, one of the things that we were talking about is like having be, being bold enough to just push an idea through and like you mentioned like frank miller did that and um you know tim sale was able to do that with jeff Loeb. um oh, tim sale we loved him and I, I feel like um even with like movies i, I worked with um, christopher nolan on a, a project after um, interstellar so i hung out with a guy in, in hollywood and worked with him for a day wow. um and um i saw like the props for batman and got to kind of pick his brain a bit and i, I realized I think that a guy like Nolan is sort of what I was trying to model myself after, where, you know, you're, you're aggressive, but if you have a talent and you're fair and you're patient, there's got to be a way to do what you need to do, to, like, tell the suits to just leave you alone and then return to them with a project that does well. Uh-huh. Um, and that's kind of what Nolan was. I think for the first movie, Batman, he kind of had to play ball a little bit, but then for the second one, he got to do whatever he, what he wanted to do, basically, right? Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I think once Nolan retired, the Deep Warner Brothers kind of saw Zack Snyder as, well, he's like Nolan, but we can tell him what to do. So it's like Batman by committee, directed uh, by Zack Snyder and his DP, damn. his director of photography. Um, and I'm not, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in that position. Who could say no to directing the next Superman Batman movies? Like, the guys should, should say yes. And, you know, yeah. corporations, they should want to control it. Um, you can't always count on a Christopher Nolan swooping in and having good ideas. You know, sure. people want to make them like I get it. I'm not pointing fingers or anything like that. It's just, it is what it is. You're right, though. I mean, you, basically, what happened with 
Batman, Superman. Well, I mean, that was basically Zack Snyder doing like an Elseworlds tale that, yeah. that, that he got away with, basically. And then, you know, it split the room in half. So then they got really involved in it. But then there's Wonder Woman. Yeah. Where Patty Patty Jenkins basically said, "Fuck you! I'm gonna do this the way I want. Like, leave me alone a little bit." Yeah, and that's yeah. that's what we yeah. got. You know, we got that story yeah. from a from a creator yeah. who's allowed to do what she wants. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, the the one problem with that though is like you you can't build an entire industry off of that because you need to have um your every Wednesday comics have to come out. You need like a to build it like a giant ship where everything is coordinated. It's like, um, I like car analogies, obviously. I think that Honda, the biggest selling Honda is the Honda Civic and the Honda Accord, right? I think most comics are probably going to be the Honda Civic. And there's nothing wrong with the Honda Civic. There wouldn't be an auto industry. There wouldn't be Honda without the Honda Civic. But I don't want to work on the Civic. I want to be in the R&D department where they leave you alone and you try some weird shit. And every once in a while, you come up with something that you can put on every car, like turbo. And that's kind of where I wanted to be. Is I don't want to be doing the, the grind. I want to be the guy that you trust that goes off and he comes back with with, with, with a kill of some kind. Mm. So uh, was that the kind of uh, mentality you used to come up with the Batmobile? Because if I'm not mistaken, Driven in Black and White Volume Four is like one of my favorite stories of all time when he's uh, chasing Roxy Rocket. And I believe, oh, yeah. It was, yeah, it was it was like the same. Uh, the Batmobile, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, that was my first. That was my first generation Batmobile, and um, I wanted to tweak the design a lot for White Knight, so I, I rounded it out a lot. I, I did a lot more research into how it would work. Right. Um, I, I came up with how it would turn um, because the way that the wheels are in, touching the front, like there's no way it could steer traditionally. It would have to lean left and right. But you don't really see that in the comic. Anyway, you know, I, I tightened it up a lot for White Knight and made sure, like, okay, this is my Batman run, you know. Pass or fail, this has got to be it. So I'm gonna, if this is my only chance to ever do Batman, I'm gonna make it the best Batmobile I can. Oh, when when it like split and then Harley comes off on the like the Bat Pod cycle. To yeah. the, oh my yeah. god, that was so cinematic. Oh, yeah. I, I'm really glad you guys caught that. I wasn't sure if it translated what just happened. You oh, know? oh, I I was like, he's oh, gonna do yeah. it. It's gonna happen. <laughs> well, we read your shit like three or four times well, over. You, so yeah. you yeah. know what's beautiful? Yeah. You know what's beautiful about this book is how cinematic it is. Like you feel yeah. the motion in this book. You feel like the you're chase on this, scenes. yeah, the chase scenes. You you hear the engines. You feel the winds. Like literally, and that's the whole. That's why we fucking buy and read comic books for these kind of experiences. DC yeah. there was okay. DC animation on line three, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanna I wanna I wanna piggyback on that because. A lot of artists are, you know, well known for, you know, how they draw, you know, just the characters, the faces and the the motions and things like that. What I what I look at when I'm reading this book, I'm looking at the backgrounds, dude. Mm. I mean, oh, shit, you yeah. put in some fucking work, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and like like there's this one panel. I think it's in issue 4 or 5. Batman's talked with Harley Quinn on a rooftop. Oh yeah. And then he jumps off, and it's yeah. kind of like half a page, and he's he's midair. Yeah. You've got this really detailed forefront with the building in the background. There's another building on the right side. There's another building, but yeah. then you see the motion with Batman coming down. That was the cinematic I was talking about. But I was just like, man, dude, can I have that picture? Can I have that original? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah well, it's well, in the mail. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> have to ask yeah. for your address. It's funny. When people ask me my favorite character to draw, I know it's kind of a cop-out, but my answer is Gotham. Yeah, Gotham is the number one character. And I tried to make it like an old England or an old Chicago brick city. Um, 
And um, yeah, that was one thing I left, I didn't do from an animated series was that stuff was very deco, which is cool, but I, I really wanted to draw like brick and wrought iron and you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and the other thing with backgrounds too, is I really wanted, you don't have mood in a comic unless you put it in your backgrounds. Um, and a lot of comics that I, I see, the backgrounds are fine, they explain where the characters are, but you're not really feeling anything from them. And then the other trick is to I design backgrounds around the action. So like if I know where I want the cars to be and I know what will lead the eye. And then I'll put the road in last and make the road like a roller coaster through the streets kind of. And it's, it's you're not really going off of references so much. You're, you're sort of just building off the motion and then you sort of build the city around where the motion is happening, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's kind of getting artsy fartsy about it. But that's sort of my take well, on it. Well, I mean, like, you know, we, we talked to um, Tim Sell's wife in New York Comic-Con a couple of years ago. And she was telling us how Tim studies a lot of photography books just for the backgrounds, you know, mm-hmm. to learn how to draw buildings and stuff like that. When I look at your work, I, I think of someone that has studied architecture like that. Is that true? Um, I, I enjoy architecture a lot. I mean, I, I pay attention. You know, I like finding interesting <laughs> chairs, interesting, you know, buildings with ramps. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the fun of backgrounds is doing different levels. So you have like... The, the street below, the bridge above, the ladder up, the fire escape, you know, different kind of places for your eyes to wander around as if you were in the panel itself. I think a big mistake is making everything flat, and that's generally what most cities tend to look like. Um, mm-hmm. So I really wanted to give it like three, fourth, fourth dimensionality in a way. The other thing too, and I'm sort of with Tim Sale on this, is like I appreciate, you know, you guys, you know, the compliments about detailed backgrounds, but I honestly don't think I'm that detailed. Um, I think too much detail can overwhelm you so i try to keep it smart detail and focused so a lot of the detail tends to be at a certain point in the panel and then the rest of it is generally framed with black or smoke or something else like if i rendered the entire city you would just be exhausted by the time you finish the book there's something about kind of framing everything very carefully and drawing the eye to the detail that's needed without overwhelming the reader you know Mm. well that was like just like that panel you know because batman's midair leaping down and you drew like you know, the motion streaks and stuff like that, the blur. So yeah. that Yeah, yeah. The speed lines are a good cheat. In a way, like, it helps you. So on that panel, <laughs> that, Batman is basically like a black triangle. He's barely rendered, right? Mm-hmm. You have Harley up on the upper left. The buildings behind them are rendered. But as, you've got your, as your eye goes down, it just turns into speed lines, which is kind of easy once you kind of know the tricks, basically. Mm-hmm. But it right. reads as like, a, that's a lot of detail. And it is, but in a way, like, it's it's doable if you, if you stay consistent and try not to... You know, burn all your calories on one page. This um, book makes me want an animated movie so bad. Have there <laughs> been any talks about that? No. Um, <laughs> God, I would kill for... Um, I'd have Margot Robbie as the voice of Neo Joker. Wow. I'd, I'd have, you know, the classic TAS cast. I would have uh, Elizabeth Banks as the new... Oh, actually, no, I'd have um, the classic Harley Quinn actress. What's her name? Ar- Arlene Sorkin? Thank you, yeah. I'd get her out of retirement. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone's moved on, though. I'm not sure that's going to happen. I'd love to see them, you know, take a stab at animating this. I don't think they would try to do my style because my style is not animation friendly. But I would love to see like a TIS style or even the new one they did, um, Gotham by Gaslight. I oh man, so good. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. maybe that team that just did Batman Ninja could pull it off though. They're like specializing. They'd have to adjust a little, but like to capture yeah. detail. I mean, that's that's a huge risk yeah. this thing, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who would be your bullet? Because I mean, he was a fucking asshole. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I picture that that uh, again. I forget his name. The guy from TAS. It's just 
I just hear all of their voices in my head when I write the characters. You know? <laughs> Out of the way, oh. Happy Feet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Bullock is awesome, and I love how Bullock's probably really sexist and probably doesn't shower. He's really gross, but I think he would take a bullet from Montoya. I think that that's his saving grace. Is I think he is really close to Montoya. Yeah, yeah he's was hot too. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Hey, Sean, um, Matt Hollingsworth was your colorist for all yeah. eight issues. And, I mean, we, uh, we've talked about every issue that comes out. We've always brought up the coloring also that it just adds to the overall feel of the book. Um, is, is he, I mean, was he something that you chose to, yeah. to do the coloring? Yeah, I take Matt with me everywhere. Um, I We work together well now. He knows he's kind of get in my head. Uh, for this book, I, I told him I really wanted to limit the colors. I wanted it to be no more than two colors per page. Wow. If he could manage it. And I said, you know, I wanted like an uncolored feel. I wanted it to feel black and white, even though it's colored, which I know is kind of a strange direction. But um, he managed to get there. And um, there's some like later on in issue eight, when things start to lighten up, I told him to go to town using three colors. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's, I mean, the comics in general, every every comic is so bright and it could be a little garish over, at times. And you have a whole stack and your eyes just. It's like a colored acid for the whole stack. And I wanted our book to feel like, oh, God, I can breathe again. Like, there's barely any yeah. colors here. It's so digestible. Yes. You know? I mean, it was it, it, incredible. Yeah, Matt deserves a big shout-out. He, he saved my ass a lot. He's, he's a, without him, like, I don't know if this would be possible. I mean, honestly, to, to, give a little, to do a little housekeeping, without Matt, without Scott Snyder, Dan DiDio, and Mark Doyle, um, and Maggie, my editor, like, I don't know how it's what happens. You, you know? hear that, Dan? Thanks, Dan. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, uh, I, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, Dan made a play. He, he, you know what? I, I said this to him recently, and I'm like, you know, what, man, I don't expect you to get my style. I know that you're a John Lennon. You know, sorry, you're like a Paul McCartney fan, and I'm kind of John Lennon, and you don't really get it, but you know, other people get it, so you knew to keep keep me around. And I think that's the smart thing that Dan did. I'm not offended by that at all because it is what it is, you know. Yeah, I mean, I see you have heart, you know. I know you get some sort of talent. <laughs> you know, that part, which is good, but, uh, you know, the, the two Holly thing is kind of my idea. So, whatever. Do each We've seen so many, uh, we've seen other artists and writers try and take on the Joker. And, I mean, we all know that the Joker is kind of like the yin to Batman's yang, challenging Batman. But the way you did it with the Joker in this book is brilliant. I mean, I haven't seen that before, where the Joker Harley gives him this medicine to... Yeah. Kind of suppress the Joker and bring out the inside. But one thing I wanted to ask you about was I think I believe it was in issue seven. Yeah, issue seven when the Joker, well Napier is in the Batmobile with Batman. When the Joker starts talking about Jason Todd, yeah, I mean you could just see like the. I mean the book has so many emotions. I mean you could just see how Batman was just crushed mm-hmm. knowing yeah. that Jason Todd yeah. was really alive. Well, yeah, I remember when I, was, when I was doing that yeah. scene. There's a giant realization there in. Because Batman learns in one sentence that Joker knows who he is, and he's always known, and that Jason's alive. And I wanted Batman to respond with the most important thing. And it wasn't, how did you know who I am? He cared most about Jason, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. the character, Batman's almost like a B character. He's, he's very, very, he's not really in the book a whole lot. He's sort of a backdrop. He doesn't do a lot of talking. Everyone's sort of, you know, mm-hmm. conversation is elsewhere. He's just kind of in the angry zone the whole time, so... That uh, Todd moment, I really had to humanize Batman towards the end because I feel like readers are getting a little annoyed with Batman being such an asshole for six issues. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and to find out, I mean, I couldn't even imagine being in Batman's 
shoes, finding out that, you know, one of your Robins, who you thought was dead, is really alive. But beyond that, he, yeah. he didn't even reach, he, didn't, he never even reached out to Bruce. Yeah. To tell him to lie that he, he, you know, just disappeared because he yeah. was in that situation because of Batman. Yeah, it's funny. I, I didn't reread um, Death in the Family when Todd died. Um, and I didn't actually know what the motivation was the first time when Joker killed Jason. And um, I just figured, no, I mean, easy. I mean, how, what else could he want from Jason? He wants to know who Batman is. That's very easy. And once he learned, he didn't think it was funny to kill him because he got everything he needed from him. And hey, the game could go on if Batman thought Jason was dead. Like, Joker knows enough to know that Jason, he beat Jason. He doesn't need to kill him. Jason's probably just going to go away and Batman is going to be devastated. And this will be hilarious one day when he finds out. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and that's like the ultimate, I mean... That's like the ultimate slap to Batman or, you know, like the ultimate chess move was, yeah, yeah, Joker could have killed Jason Todd. But what would hurt Batman more, killing yeah. Jason Todd or letting him survive? And Jason Todd never see, never even speaks a word to Batman ever again. Yeah. No, you know, I wasn't sure that would go over, honestly, because I, I it was the day I was writing the script and I wasn't sure what Joker was going to say in that flashback scene. And I wasn't going to I was like, I want Jason to live, but I don't know why Joker would let him go because the most painful thing is just to kill him, right? So I'm like, well, maybe he like thought it was a game, and maybe readers would buy that. You know, like Batman could be convinced yeah. he was dead, and he could be hurt twice by the same thing. And you know, honestly, I wasn't sure if readers were going to go for that. And I'm, I'm really glad that they did. Yeah. yeah. Love me some and Jason all, Todd. If, wink, wink, there <laughs> were to be a volume two, yeah, would you go the direction of mm -hmm. Red Hood with Jason Todd? Um, I wouldn't be much of a businessman if I said no. <laughs> um, but I don't know if I would push him into Red Hood zone. I might, I mean, if there's a sequel, Bruce has to reach out and check in on him, right? It'd be pretty, pretty much, he'd be a pretty big asshole if he was just like, oh, fine, he wants to walk away, fuck him. <laughs> the end. He's putting Bruce put Jason Todd on his fuck you list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of this, um, we love the six um, Sean Murphy promises to fans. What was my favorite one was uh, fuck moving mountains. How about making comic book deadlines? I love that you uh, put that yeah. out there. Uh, <laughs> almost yeah. calling out like a good chunk of the industry almost. But uh, oh, yeah. I, yeah, you know, it used to be your comics weren't always late. They weren't always produced up to the last minute. We used to have comics in the can, you know, months ahead of time. Right. And I don't know what changed. Um, I'm sure there's someone that could answer that that's more educated about it than I am. But DC is going to put X amount of books a year. They know what it's going to cost generally. They know what delays will be in general. So you get started. You invest three months ahead of time. You get the ball rolling. And then your investment starts paying off and things start coming out on time. I don't understand why books are late. Like I know artists or writers would have issues, you know, getting stuff out on time, but there's got to be a way to plan for that. Like, mm. I don't know. I don't understand it myself. Yeah, because well, I was like, a... damn, the level of detail Annie's writing it, and we're getting it every yeah. month. I'm like, this, yeah. guy's, <laughs> either this guy's a beast, or this is the way it should be, and they keep changing deadlines yeah. or whatever because of uh, events or, you know, whatever. The yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of lead time on it. Like, I had five issues finished before DC read it, before they knew what it was. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, and when issue one came out in October, I was drawing issue five or six at the time. So I, it took me about a year and a half to do eight issues. Right. Um, so 
it's it was like it was a lot slower than I thought it would be because I was used to just drawing and I'm like yeah I could knock out a script in a week but it's fucking right how hard could it be <laughs> uh, <laughs> I read shit by these assholes for years and it's easy um, but then I realized oh yeah there's like editing and going over it again and tweaking the word balloons and then talking this and you have to like manage you have to direct it produce it and uh, writing takes a whole other to give writers their due respect it it, it is not always easy. Yeah. But it is way easier than drawing. I'm sorry, writers. <laughs> mm. Did, did okay. when, I'm I'm when, messaging Snyder right now. I don't care. I'll say that to his face. Hour, you can do four books a month. I literally can't do more than one. Like technically, hour for hour, it is easier because you can do it way faster. You know, don't give me this like, oh, the plight of the writer. No one understands how hard it is. <laughs> Fuck you. Did, Get it out of time. Did, did, did you find yourself changing your script any as you started doing the artwork yeah yeah, yeah. um so i uh, i listened to a lot of reviews and podcasts and i really was sort of hunting for information on how to make it better i knew i was going into some political territory too and i really wanted to ride the line between uh, conservative and you know liberal or whatever so i would try to adjust things along the way and uh, i heard a lot of good criticism that really helped me fix things and get out in mm. front of it. Oh, um, the Batman devastation fund. So Batman's making a mess and taxpayers are paying for it. And that was the end of it as far as I was concerned. And then I heard a review where they're like, well, maybe Bruce reimburses it. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, maybe Bruce should reimburse it. <laughs> like, fuck, why did I do that? So I had that scene. Oh, shit, that was your idea. Joker, yeah. I mean, Joker is like, oh, I figured out who you were because, you know, the Batman Devastations Fund refueled by Wayne Corporation. So mm-hmm. I barely managed to save that plot hole. <laughs> the last oh, boy, that's a... But a gene, yeah, it's a genius way of having Joker figure yeah. out who he is. Yeah. Well, well, it's been done uh, before. I mean, there's other people that have, I mean, maybe not Joker figuring it out, but Bruce reimbursing everybody. I think that's been done before. Well, also, I mean, in my line of work, in in my professional work, you know, I deal with Chippendales dancer. No, <laughs> nice. no, that's the moonlighting work. Oh, okay. um, sorry. You know, I deal with things that are torn down, financial loss, and getting uh-huh. those people back on their feet. And so that's something I've always kind of worried wondered about is like what would happen or what happens to these people as the Batmobile is driving through Gotham and he's wrecking all their cars and stuff like during these chase scenes and stuff like that yeah how does the how does their insurance pick this right. up who, yeah, who pays yeah. for that so <laughs> yeah. I, I I loved that the fact that you actually came up with an answer for that <laughs> I thought well, I mean I really did. I was just like, Thanks, that makes man. so much sense. Thank Infra- you. Yeah, it. Infrastructure <laughs> nerd. I know. And honestly, I was afraid that that stuff would get really boring to people. Uh, and it's only so you only have so much bandwidth when you start describing how the, the sausage is made in Gotham, you know. So I had like I want I had like two monologues to kind of describe what was going on, and I was hoping that because that's that's those are tough pages to read. There's a lot of dialogue on those pages, and I wasn't sure if everyone would get it. But Ooh, I love dialogue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think part of what Joker does so well in White Knight or Napier is he kind of points out the things that we've all been thinking for years about. You know, collateral damage, and how do you know there's no one in that building, the, the roof you drove over, you know? And we know, we, when Batman was created in the 30s or 40s or whatever, you know, we didn't know a lot about what creates crime. And, hey, crime fighter, a guy that punches back, sure, it makes sense. But we know that the secret to solving crime is education. We know it, you need public outreach projects. Like, it's not a secret. Sociology and science has proven so many things. But I haven't seen a Batman story that acknowledges that that acknowledges how cities are actually run. So I wanted Gotham to be a real city, not a comic book city. 
And I wanted Jack Napier to point out the shit that we've all been thinking. And it was tricky because you're basically telling your readers, hey, you know how you love Batman? Well, here's why it doesn't make sense. Also, it's going to be three ninety nine for me to school you and why Batman doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, you, you, you mentioned that, you know, you'd like to be the guy that is working in the R&D department, working on experimental things and, and, and pushing the envelope. That's kind of the sense that I got whenever you and Snyder did that Detective 27 yeah. story a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. That was great. I told Snyder, I told Snyder this, but I would hate myself if I didn't tell you this. That's one of my favorite short stories of all time. Oh, thanks, man. When I was reading White Knight, I was wondering, is there a possibility that these two stories could fall within the same universe? Um, n- no, because no? Scott does his thing separate from my thing. Um, and that was actually one of the reasons why um, they wanted Greg to do Scott's Batman The Last Night, I, th- I think is what it's called take over the story that I was slated to do. I mean, first of all, Greg started with Scott. Greg's the number one Batman artist probably in history. He deserves that book, and he should he should do it. If that's going to be Scott's last Batman title for a while, then it should be pretty slow. And uh, Scott also looked at White Knight, and he saw how, how I was drawing, and he's like, man, this is not fitting into my Batman world at all. This is such a different look. And he just didn't feel like it was fitting with what he was going for. You know, He didn't want to ask me to change my style or change sensibilities to fit his world he's like you know man you're creating your own weird thing over here it seems to be doing well you should just keep doing this and you know god bless yeah. not a problem and yeah we had that we had a couple conversations about it yeah that, book was, that, that short story was a lot of fun because scott set up a whole long thing uh batman cloning himself i think yeah. it was mm-hmm. Yeah. For all the yeah. different generations. That's more sci-fi than I like to go. Like, I like to keep things as grounded as I can. I'm not big. In, I like sci-fi, but I don't like my Batman to be science fiction-y. For a long time, Scott wanted to get get a, into another project with you. Like, I, I'm sure it's okay to talk about this now yeah. that it's uh, ended. But uh, yeah. Scott had even told us uh, when, like, in the early stages of All-Star, he was telling us uh, about the artists that he had in mind for yeah. for some of the future art sort. And and you were one of those one of those artists he named. And I think that was sort of the idea that yeah. ended up morphing into last night. And then yeah. you know, yeah. ended up with you not being in it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been um, All-Star started coming out like two and a half three years ago or whatever and uh you know just things evolve over time um i was supposed to launch all-star but then dc wanted like a, a bigger name on it um which is which is totally fine and then there was like all all yeah, all-star volume two and then it was all these people getting on all-star and i'm like well maybe it's a little crowded now maybe we could do something else so then we were going to move last night to its own miniseries and then we got more delays and then i was neck deep in my own book so it made more sense just to finish that and it's just how comics is, you know. Yeah, and it's pretty cool to hear the story about how Scott is seeing your art and seeing what you're doing and uh, giving giving the respect to your idea and what you want to do enough to be like, you know what, man, you go ahead and you do your thing because that's what this is morphing into and then I'll kind of do mine. I mean, I, I don't know if I could see your stuff and not just be like, fuck it, I'm just going to write whatever you got going on over here. <laughs> so it's... It's really nice that we have that, and it's you know this is kind of like we're not we're not one to bash Marvel versus DC or anything like that, yeah, but yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but one thing we've one thing that we've noticed is it seems like um, there is a lot more going on with uh, the artists and the writers kind of um, giving each other the pass to do their thing mm-hmm. at DC right now. 
you know, publishing is, or, you know, they're giving you the freedom more so than I think, uh, you know, the other big two is being allowed to do. And it's yeah. really showing through in sales. It's really showing through in conversations that you're hearing in, in comic shops. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, your thing is at the, at the top of the stack because it, this is the most unique thing out there right now. Um, Thanks. And it's all proof of the fact that you guys respect each other's work and you trust each other enough to let each other do your own thing. And it, the really the ones who get the the best out of it are the fans. I mean, like that's really cool to hear that story of how this could have this could have never happened or this might have been something completely different. But yeah. you know, things things fell the way they did and opportunities yeah. that might have happened didn't. And it's all for the best, really, because now we have white motherfucking night. <laughs> I think what Tom's trying to say is that yes. you gotta risk it to get the biscuit. So <laughs> that's the that's the subtitle of volume two. I was gonna call it that, but I was thinking of something a little less country. <laughs> and, little, and what you've done? Less Bojangles. Yeah. Batman, and, and what you've Batman done White is, Knight volume is volume one. Batman Country Bumpkin is volume two. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, appreciate. It. Thank you very much for saying all that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to get into the politics and how Twitter became weird in 2018. Okay. <laughs> you know, right. I, it's you mentioned that because what I've noticed with your interactions on Twitter, you kept you, you keep it pretty much uh, as as far as just interacting with questions from fans, and yeah. uh, that's where you kind of where you keep, which is cool. But yeah, it's a weird fucking atmosphere out there right now. It's yeah, strange. I mean, it's it so seems like it seems like it's calmed down a bit in the last few months, but. Um, like a war. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I used to be a shit stir. I mean, I did punk rock Jesus. I, I was I was SJW before it was cool, or yeah. then it became uncool, or whatever. Like I, I mean, if I was you know 25 right now, I would be blocking and just stirring up shit and just having a blast. Like I can see why these younger kids, uh, and I don't mean to sound patronizing, why they're doing that. Like if I was younger, I'd absolutely be there with them. Yeah. But you know, I'm 37 now. I, I've got a lot to lose. I I want to be a I want to work with DC. I want to get my stories going, and I'm not paid to talk about politics. People want me to, to to draw comics. If I can slip in some social commentary and readers are okay with it, then that's my job. Um, and every blocked person on Twitter is a blocked customer and 20 of their friends. You know, I don't agree with you know a lot politically with a lot of my readers. I'm sure, but I have a, I have a ton of you know conservative readers now. Some of them are friends of mine. Some of them voted for Trump. Some of them are regretting it. It is what it is. You know, I mean, the, we all love comics. Um, it's kind of a niche industry within a niche industry. And to fight like this is only costing us sales. Yeah. It's weird to see also that there's this kind of uh, culture where people have this entitlement, especially with like, you know, let's say it's your creative process. You're making the story, you know, with uh, White Knight, for example. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's it, anybody with uh, a phone and a Twitter handle thinks that they're entitled for you to write yeah. it the way that they want to read it. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, I even saw some some kids who obviously are not reading every issue of your story. <laughs> yeah. Who are, who are coming after you because of maybe what you're doing with Harley or yeah. you're, rom you're romanticizing uh, a yeah. relationship between Harley and Joker. And they're not reading everything. So they don't get what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Do. It's and easy it's, for me to get pissed, but I mean, I, this person, people who write to me like that, I think it's irritating, yeah. Um, but if I can be nice, send them away happy, then they might pick it up. So exactly. if I can sell it to them, I mean, I came from sales background, you know, and whether we like it or not, we're all in PR and spin now, and there's just no way of getting out of it. You have to interact with people. Um, I don't know. I think it's very short-sighted to 
berate your readers. Um, and I think, yeah, are, are readers entitled? Yeah, some of them are. But I also believe the customer is always is right. And they're not right in that you have to listen to what everyone says. But when they're telling you what they want, what they like, or what they don't like about your book, it's not necessarily what they're actually saying to you. You have to listen to what they mean, what they're what they're not saying. Um, it's kind of hard to describe, but I don't know. There's, I think there's there's ways to make most people happy. Yeah. Um, and even people that are complaining about the book, at least they bought it and paid for it. And the least I can say is thank you. You know, It's, it's funny because it's a different way of handling it than a, when Tom King, when one of the guys on Twitter was like, oh, Tom King with his cat back cat banter and gaping plot holes. And Tom was like, hey, man, if I was whatever years younger or the less mature me would say something like, your mom your has mom's, bloody... <laughs> so gaping your mom plot. has gaping plot holes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it can. We can all have a. I think we're all allowed like five weak moments throughout the year. Like if you have only yeah. five tweets you regret, then you're doing good. Do you do, have they said anything to you guys about um, as far as like DC talent, like the things you should or should not be saying on social media? Because um, there are some people who you know we'll we'll keep them nameless, but there's some creators out there who are saying some crazy shit. Yeah. And uh, it's just time to be allowed. Um, there, um, I think there, there was an email that went around. I think Bleeding Cool published it about uh, sort of etiquette. And it wasn't a rule. They weren't forcing you to do anything. But they were suggesting some rules and etiquette um, that it would be nice if we sort of thought about these things when we go on sure. social media, you know. But I, I think there are, there are penalties for acting out and pissing people off. Not only do you turn off possible readers for your own book, but... If you are always a handful, big publishers, if they have to spend time, you know, backpedaling whatever you said, like that's that that's annoying. And it's not yeah. that you're not right. You have the right to feel the way you do, but again, you're not being paid to be a, a comment you have political commentary. You're paid to draw or write. So if you want to say something, put it in the goddamn book. Mm. <laughs> I got a shit because I had a whole thing about why I don't block people and I wasn't trying to tell anyone what to do. Uh, as much as I tried to wear my kid gloves describing why I don't block people, people still felt threatened because I was secretly suggesting that they sh should also stop blocking people. But it is what it is. At one point, I, um, this guy reached out to me. and He was in um, Afghanistan, and so was his brother. And his brother had some kind of brain thing. And uh, he asked, he was starting up some kind of charity. And um, I would assume that they were both Republicans. They probably voted for Trump. Because um, I saw some of the Twitter stuff that they were saying, and hey, I have, again, I have friends who hunt and vote for Trump. It is what it is. And um, if I had taken the route of blocking him, he wouldn't have been able to reach out to me to ask for art or donations or something that he could use to help his brother get some treatment. Because um, I don't think they had insurance. So uh, I ended up having my um, assistant send them a bunch of prints. And I don't... If for all I know, the guy could have been lying, but I, I don't think he was. But if I had this block policy, then this, that's just one example of I would not have been able to help someone out who really needed it. I mean, some things are beyond politics. And helping a soldier in need, which is what this was, is something that I'm happy to do. This is actually the first time I ever talked about it. But if I had blocked him, he wouldn't have been able to get through to me. And um, I just don't want to treat readers that way, you know? I mean, there's definitely something you lose by putting up a wall. You you look you miss out on the opportunity to see maybe where you guys don't differ, where you do kind of come together and yeah. see things the same way. You know, we're all human at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. We're all we're all you know we're all in it together, but yeah. one little thing will will change that, and people get they can't handle it. But 
Yeah. It's awesome to see you kind of being the trailblazer in that sense where you're keeping it as much as you can about yeah. the stories and you're trying to put people's differences aside and like comics, man. It's like if there's yeah. one thing that, that we all have in common, regardless of what political party or association or anything, it's like yeah. you, re- you read something good, you're going to like it, enjoy it and want to talk about it. And- right, right. White, because White Knight has a triggery title. And when I decided to call it White Knight, the phrase White Knight wasn't so much of a hot tr- trigger phrase as it is now. But um I knew that um, when the book started doing better and better, people were realizing, hey, this is kind of a book about politics, but doesn't really take sides. I just knew that people were waiting for me to trip up or weigh in and mm. show that I was super SJW or show that I was a secret you know, all right or whatever. Um, so I had to be extremely careful about how I tweeted, make sure to cover my ass with the way I tweet. And, Try not to get into that stuff too much if I could help it. So I feel like I learned a lot because I just could tell that I had kind of crosshairs on my on, on yeah. my back in a way. And uh, I'm really happy that so far I managed to escape a lot of that stuff. But a lot of that persecution doesn't seem to go anywhere, honestly. I mean, Twitter outrage is often justified. Usually it's a giant you know distraction. But at the end of the day, comics has been the same industry it always has been. You do good work, put it out on time, treat people like you want to be treated, and you can have a living. I mean, all this stuff about being known as the political person that says X, Y, Z, that's great, but it's not actually helping you do what, you're, what you need to do to make money. You know, like it feels good to get a bunch of likes and to feel like you're part of a club, but if you're not paying your bills, then you're doing something wrong. Mm. You know, you, you kind of, now that you are on the other side of White Knight, you're at the, the end of um, <laughs> Wink Wink, uh, the first um, part of <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. and um, you know, you basically got your list. You, you gave him your list, you got what you wanted, you're on the other side of that now. Looking back at kind of where you started, you know, your success in indie, um, mm-hmm. leading up until getting the gigantic platform of writing this Batman book, where do you see yourself going now mm-hmm. as far as your creative process? Do you want to do um, another indie situation where you kind of, yeah. everything you would say goes, or do you want to continue to do your solo uh, writing, drawing stuff with DC? What What is, what's yeah. the next step for you? Uh, my plan is, uh, well, I've retired from working with writers. I'm just going to do my own stuff from, from here on out. White Knight is hot, so it would be silly of me not to pursue a sequel. Um, if that sequel happens, afterwards, I think I'd like to take a break and do an, an indie creator-owned book, just to step step out of the uh, off the stage for a while. Kind of like how you know Frank Miller comes in to do Batman, and then he goes off to do you know Dark Horse book, and you give your Batman fans a chance to rest, and then you come back with another killer idea, you know? Yeah, and you so go I, crazy I, for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, no, I, that's the yeah. I don't want to get that that crazy. <laughs> okay. hey, we're, we're still gonna read it. I'm not gonna lie to you. We, we're still yeah. gonna read it. Um, but yeah, my plan is to do one for them, one for myself, and the one for them is Batman, which I totally still enjoy. If I could do a trilogy of White Knights, Ooh. that would pretty much secure my retirement. I think. Oh. Then create like a Hellboy-ish idea on the side, and that would be another good way to sort of switch back and forth between those two books. What about a punk rock boy? <laughs> uh, yeah, I tried to get the rights back, but Warner Brothers said no. And uh, if I'm going to do a sequel, I'd rather do it with where I own all the rights. So. Yeah. 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 Mm. So Trunkler, um, tr- yeah, you go. Trunkler, I thought you had uh, something. In White Knight 8, when... Um, Batman meets Dick and Barbara on the rooftop with a letter from Alfred. At the very end, it says, P.S., <laughs> the loose floorboard. Did he really vote for Trump? <laughs> 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 yeah. 
yeah. but I mean, in, in, in all seriousness, I mean, no, there's, a, there's a MAGA hat underneath Alfred's bed, basically. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, will we ever find out what I mean? Because I, when I saw that, I'm like, I was waiting, to, you know, I was reading on, yeah. and I'm like, oh, fuck. Uh, th- th- let me go back. Did I miss it? Where is it? Where is it? Third time. <laughs> yeah. He, no, he's uh, got to leave you one more, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One more. The button. It's like the end of uh, Shawshank Redemption. He's like, yo, if you ever get out of here, go to this tree. There's something buried there. And you're like, what? What, what the fuck? Like, I got to know what that is now. The movie's not over yet. You know? I was waiting for that Dark Knight Rises moment where maybe uh, Bruce, Dick, and, and uh, uh, Batgirl were sitting at a table and they look over and Alfred's just like yeah. sipping some tea. Sipping <laughs> 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 on a funny break. <laughs> just kidding. I do, I do have to personally thank you for uh, putting you know Mr. Freeze, Victor Freeze, in here and redeeming that character. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, dude, he is one of my top, you know, characters in DC, and and I loved it. I love that you one, you gave us some backstory, some interesting backstory that tied into with you yeah. know Thomas Wayne. Did yeah. not and see that coming. Did not. See it that. also, you know, like you said, it brought a little bit more of the mystery to Gotham. Gotham's yeah. always got new mysteries popping up, and I thought that was really cool. Oh, and then also getting to see uh, Victor reunited with Nora. That was that was really special, I thought. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. You know, the, uh, I rewatched the animated movie Sub-Zero. You guys seen that? Yeah. Oh, yes. hell yeah. Man, that, that was such a great way to end the Freeze character. Um, you know, he's acting to save Nora. He's on this, like, oil rig, and, you know, everything goes to shit. And uh, the last time we see him, he's on a ice icicle crutch, or crutches with his leg and then you know, a cast made of ice with polar bears. And he's looking through the window and he's seeing on the news that Nora's been revived. You never see her face. You don't hear her talk. You don't see her eyes open. She's always kind of like, the reader's never supposed to know. She's like the unattainable in a way, you know? And uh, Victor, like, I think he sheds one tear, turns around and walks into the sunset. Like, so I took that as he's done being Mr. Freeze. He's done being a villain because his job is complete. But then season four of Batman animated series come out and Mr. Freeze has like three Eskimo chicks with him who are like sassy. And he's like a gangster and then he's a head with spider legs. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He, he, he ended at Sub-Zero. I'm not believing anything else. <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of turned more into the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze. I miss the white <laughs> Sing! Sing! Yeah. There's a so Mr. Freeze pops up in issue uh, eight as a surprise helper. And uh, he gets out of the car. He blasts um, poison ivy. And there's that moment where you're like, oh, my God. He was with Batgirl in the tumbler the whole time. That's awesome. And I'm thinking, like, what, what do I make him say? And I thought I thought about doing a stupid pun and going, like, with a Schwarzenegger nod. And, uh, yeah, I had, like, ten different versions of what I should have him say. Yeah, I, I think I think you went with the right one, uh, saying <laughs> I'm all out of ice puns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm retired. Like, enough. <laughs> uh, another cool thing in the end of issue eight. Now, uh, everyone's The issue's going to come out Wednesday. Everyone's going to go out and buy it. And I guarantee a high percentage of people are going to say, wait, what? and go back to issue oh, one because yeah. I know a lot of people right. didn't realize, like you call back to issue one and I'm sure a lot of people didn't notice that when Batman is pummeling Joker and feeding those pills to him yeah. and you see it being recorded, a lot of people didn't realize that was Harley that was yeah. recording that. Yeah, you know, I, I hoped most people would not notice at the time and I, I know some people did notice, but then when I introduced two Harleys, I was hoping I would throw them off. 
at this point, it's it's been such a long time since issue one came out that I, yeah, I'm really excited for that to happen. And honestly, like in issue one, I wrote in very tiny letters in the background near Harley's head, something like Harley did it all or Harley is responsible or something. So oh. if you grab your issue one covers and get a micro uh, a magnifying glass, you'll be able to see that I actually wrote the that onto the cover. You're um, some- Actually, I just I just what? saw it now. It says Harley voted for Trump. I also the Harley's logo is in the W of White Knight. Like it's I I put clues in from the cover of issue one. You know, so um, yeah, I kind of wanted to Shyamalan the ending a little bit in a good way. <laughs> Perfect. When you, when you guys, I'm curious. When you were with all the Batmobiles, I know one of you guys really liked the Burton thing. It's me. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> did it bother you, like, the logic of having the Adam West Batmobile? In the no. Didn't, no. You know that technically wouldn't make sense because Bruce would have to be 100, but that didn't bother you, right? Not at all. The it way made I, total yeah. sense. <laughs> it, it, no, it's, it makes sense. <laughs> it's if that, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, you had everything in Because technically, then none of the Batmobiles make sense all rolled into one because they're technically all different. You know, you got the Burton universe, which kind of technically goes on with forever, and then you got... Yeah. Um, Batman and Robin and the Nolan stuff. So no, man, it it was. It, I think everyone, not just me, who's totally into '89 and, and Returns. I think everybody who saw the Batmobile stuff was just like, "Holy shit, this is beautiful." Yeah. Uh, you man. even you even you even cover yourself. You say you you know when uh, Batman's talking to Gordon in his office, he's like, you know, we've been doing this for decades, yeah. and I kind of sense that you know this Batman. He's probably I don't know mid forty ish. Yeah, kind of been yeah. you know he's not he's not a young pup. I mean you got yeah. Nightwing. He's 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 a young man. Yeah, and... I could I could see Bruce being in his fifties in this book. And I, I drew him too young. Like I made the mistake of not crunching the numbers. So I wish I had made him more wrinkly when you see him as Bruce Wayne. But yeah, I, I imagine him in his fifties, and that would actually line up with Victor Freeze being from World War II and when he froze Nora and when Thomas Wayne was alive. I think you could technically argue Bruce is in his 50s. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. really um, clever with uh, placing Harley in the 66 Batmobile at one point because she wasn't around during the time the show was around. So I think that was a really cool way to, <laughs> to like fuse the generations together. It looked really sweet. I oh, cool. nice. Yeah. I and put then, her in that with, with Duke because I wanted her to use that mallet. Uh, yeah. on, on uh, yeah. ba- baby doll and croc and i'm like well there's no hood so she could just stand up and whack somebody oh, so that makes sense dude when croc stops one of the vehicles like just <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah so when i killed off croc I, that was one of those yeah. things where i'm like am I, allowed up, to, man. am I allowed to murder characters <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I wondered about that because i saw yeah duke and bullock both put bullets in, and you see him come out the other side Ooh, yeah. Did he just die? No. And then, yeah, and that was brutal. And that's their bonding moment because they were kind of at odds. And they're like, hey, we're getting along now because we're murdering somebody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, partner. Speaking of murdering, can you murder Damian Wayne? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Again. See what I can do. <laughs> I loved it when uh, Bullock ran over a penguin and was like somebody you know happy feet but it reminded me of that scene have you seen that movie due date no. with uh zach galifianakis and robert downey jr oh, yes yes and the scene where he, jamie fox is driving the truck with robert downey jr and oh. zach galifianakis is in the back and he's like you know this guy gets on my fucking nerves hey see this bump up ahead 
gun it. And they yeah. hit this bump, and I mean, it sends Zach Galifianakis just flying through the air. It's so funny. <laughs> when I saw that scene, I was like, I was like, he totally zacked him. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, no, I gotta watch that. Now that's uh, the whole, you know, drawing the Batmobiles. It was totally just me wanting to draw cars. Um, but also, like, as a storytelling device. I mean, the whole point of White Knight and Jack Napier's plans are to throw decades of Batman in Batman's face. And I wanted to have a scene that um, represented Batman of all eras, of all times. It was all being critiqued. So by having these characters jump in these different eras of Batmobiles. It was kind of like the past is being unified to defeat the danger in the present. I think I have a line from Gordon too, like no matter what happens, you know, tomorrow Gotham moves into the future, something like that, I forget. Um, yeah, like the storytelling point of having them all be in Batmobiles wasn't just to like geek out, but also to show Batman sort of unifying different eras of Batman and moving them all in the same direction and acknowledging the mistakes and trying to use them for something for the good of Gotham, you know? It was beautiful, man. Yeah, that's why I, I, that's why I said it's like a love letter to fans. You know, everyone, everyone that loves anything about Batman, whether it's from the 66 series to the animated series yeah. to the 89 to the Nolan to comics. I mean, it's all in there. Right. It's all in there. It's all in you there. Guys, did you guys, uh, when, uh, when, uh, who is it? Batgirl is in the Tumblr and, uh, Harley's Harvey, Bullock is like, oh, that's a big jump. And Duke's like, there's a reason we gave her the, the tumbler. And she hits bridge launch. Did you remember? Yes, that, from the, that, is it, was yeah. it from Begins? Yeah, like yeah. that vehicle yeah. was intended to cross yeah. bridges. So I was kind of thinking yeah. like, yeah, sure, it can go 80 stories high. Well, see, I thought that was smart too, because you put a light female in the driving the vehicle. And that's where I yeah. thought you were going with that. Yeah, <laughs> like if it was yeah, Bullock, it was, it was Bullock. Yeah, it wouldn't Bullock's even go there. Yeah, he would have hit one on the ground next to it in the end. <laughs> that that, that would have been hilarious. Something's gets, wrong with the suspension. Yeah, he gets killed. He gets killed by the penguin or something. <laughs> um, so while while we're talking here, I'm looking at that issue one cover, and I see exactly where it says i can make out harley did it and yeah then it's it's hard to read all of it but yeah yeah Mm. that's crazy super small and i remember when i first posted the cover like a year ago somebody saw that and zoomed in and i'm like please don't go viral (laughs) sean was like you nerd (laughs) i know there's people like that zoom in every little nook and cranny of panel it's it's insane yeah i mean you know what i just i just went to uh joker's cell i just went to dallas comic-con and greg capullo said that exact same thing and he said you know now he has to draw with more detail because digital readers are like zooming in to see every little detail is that something (laughs) you kind of acknowledge and kind of had to (laughs) change your art style to Mm. somewhat i mean because i ink myself um i get really scribbly when i the detail gets really small like a lot of my tiny people have no hands and they they're all they have no feet and uh it gets kind of lazy sometimes if you really zoom in on the tiny characters uh i'm really in awe of capullo or a character uh artists like Ivan Reese who can draw tiny background characters with correct costumes and their faces look good. Like if you shrink a character to be smaller than a penny for me, I'm just going to scribble it out because 
I'm exhausted already, you know. <laughs> but yeah, knowing that people can zoom in now, now I've got to watch what I what I draw. I used to slip subliminal marijuana leaves and I draw dicks in the background. <laughs> and uh, you really couldn't tell. Now you can zoom in and go back. You're, there's a lot of stuff that people accidentally published that I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not like you drew, it's not like you drew sex in every panel of your book, though. <laughs> no, not like all the Lion King, uh, sex, uh, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the penis and the Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, yeah. Sean, it's actually funny. It's funny because uh, talking about, like, the uh, the details in, like, your, in the paneling and stuff like that, one thing that I noticed is um, we have a lot of buddies who, you know, what we've been lucky to do is kind of find fans who kind of cross many different bounds, which is, like, you know, um, television, movies, uh action figures we got a lot of friends who collect action figures and one thing that your book has done is especially the first couple of issues where it's showing joker's cell right. and it shows that he's so obsessed with batman that he fucking collects yeah. like batman revealing he's got hot toy it looks like hot toys he's got like 12 inch vinyl figures and action figures and stuff yeah. <laughs> a ton of a ton of uh toy photographers um have seen your art and have been dming us and asking what is this like what what book is this where is oh, what nice. story is this? it's all because of their interest in action figures and they're seeing that yeah. look like yeah. there's all this detail in in uh all these little things that you're adding that are bringing people in, like I said, who don't normally read comics, they're yeah. really intrigued by it now. It's like, what is yeah, this? Why does Joe have all these toys? Tom, you're yeah. right, because you know I remember I... Legends was like DMing me at three in the morning, like, dude, where can I get that Sean Murphy black and white statue on the floor in this panel? Yeah, that was a little self-gratification. I own it and love it, man. I love that statue. No, I think what you did was you drove the price up, bro. That's smart. The other thing, too, that statue is very breakable because the spikes on his gloves are usually broken, so it's even more rare if you have it in one piece. And it has a wire on it, I believe, if I'm correct, right? No, no. It's a hidden. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, his his belt is a is a wire. Yeah, the wire. Uh, he's got like a lasso on his belt or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's funny because I was uh, I don't collect a lot of comic book stuff, so I was doing a lot of research for that that scene, and I showed it to my friend, and he's like, "Oh, dude, there's this squirt gun from the '60s that you've got to put in there." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've seen you, that. It's like you pull the trigger is literally Batman's dick. You're holding on to his leg. <laughs> you throw it up at the asshole. I mean, it, 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 I would love to be in the meeting where like we should totally we should make this. No one's gonna notice. <laughs> <laughs> like if there was like an SNL like great moments in comics history and I would love to be the fly on the wall like no one's gonna notice who cares about Batman <laughs> yeah, well I think one of those moments uh, might end up being I, I wrote the resolution of the plot in a, on the cover of issue one yeah no that was yeah <laughs> that's funny when um I had the page with Joker Scott Snyder actually told me once he goes there's only there's two there's basically two different types of Jokers there's Joker the Devil and there's Joker, the something else. I can't remember. Um, yeah. So I was determined to make a third kind. And it was the Joker that is so obsessed with Batman that it, it you know, this whole idea of like a relationship, they kind of touched on it in the Lego movie, Batman 2. Like he's obsessed, but like how obsessed? And by making him a giant fanboy, I thought it would be neat to show that Joker is a lot like the readers in the way where he's just a giant fan of Batman. And he just sees himself as sort of like helping boost Batman up, like giving him bigger bigger tasks so i did the i wrote the scene where joker's in the cell with all this batman stuff and my editor writes me he's like well i really hate it when people put batman toys and merchandise in batman comics 
because you know it makes it seem like Batman's kind of a gimmick. And he wanted me to, to change all that. And I'm like, but that's the point. Like this Joker, it, White Knight is self-referential in a way. Like it's acknowledging these toys that exist. It, it, like that scene only works if Joker has Batman stuff around him. Like if you make me change that, then you just change the entire character. And it was one of the first battles I had. And um, yeah, to his, to his credit, he, he came around. And I, you know, I, I compromised in other ways too. We have a good relationship. But it was after that where I decided, you know what, I think I'm just going to not ask as much. I'm just going to start moving forward, and I'll show them the art. And if they really have a problem with it, then I, I will happily change it. But I'm just going to try to show them my un, untampered with vision, and I'm going to hope that they just go with it. And the only thing they changed was, um, you know, Harley and Joker can't be naked. Um, you have to ease up on swearing. I Oh, I had the Harley-Joker wedding at the end of issue eight. Um, Which you oversee, right? Yeah, that's you. That's you right? Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not Nightwing. I'm the priest. <laughs> you were you, you were the priest and Nightwing. Come on. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> but I wanted to do a cover where it was a wedding cover of Joke Joker and Harley and DC was like, you can't do this. Tom's marrying Batman Catwoman. He's been working up to this for two years and you just can't uh, sabotage him. Like your last minute idea of Joker getting married cannot destroy, cannot you know compete with with uh, Tom's book. And I agreed. And uh, you know it's just a bad a case of bad timing. But um, I really wanted to do a wedding cover, but they shot me down, and I understand why. Mm. But uh, all in all, like they really let me get away with ninety nine percent of the things that I wanted to do. Question about that part about the wedding cover. <laughs> yeah, because sure. Because Jack turns back to Joker in the middle of the vows, and uh-huh. it's sort of Joker that says I do. So who did she marry? Mm. I mean, you'll have to, that's Joker uh, just torturing her, and I'm sure that if there's a sequel, and this isn't confirmation, <laughs> that that will be discussed. Oh, I mean, hear that, Dan? we got to figure it out, Dan. Get it done. <laughs> I wish I could do a Dan DiDio voice like you guys do, but... <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about it short off the air. We're gonna talk about the ideas that you have for the volume two, and we'll see what we can do. Okay, yeah. but we just gotta Wait. put it off to the side right now. <laughs> so, Dan, uh, now that I have you here, Dan, did you all did you think that White Knight was gonna be a big hit? Of course, I mean the whole time. He's, he's in the back pocket. I mean, of course, he was, uh, gave you the job. Sean, do you think a good chunk of DC publishing? might eventually go mature label um i hope so um i think that for a few reasons one it's the kind of stuff that i want to work on right uh, two the idea of uh selling product to to just to talk business for a second cradle to grave how do you make people spend money on batman from the cradle to the grave so you get you know batman night lights you get pajamas you get you know kid books and you get comics and squirt guns <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, then you graduate from you know teen plus comics to adult comics, right. and I think one of the great ideas with uh, Black Label is it's adult. So we're basically saying to kids, hey, fifteen-year-olds, you shouldn't read this because it's too old for you. Which of course is going to make them buy it. So you'll transfer them from the main line onto Black Label, assuming Black Label is successful, which and I hope that it is. And after that, the idea is hopefully those readers will have kids of their own, so they'll be buying their own nightlights and blah, 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 blah. Um, so, yeah, I think that the space, there's definitely space for an adult line. I don't know why they didn't do um, DC Max earlier on, you know? Mm. I mean, there's plenty of dark Batman books that are for adults only that, um, you know, are not kind of Elseworlds, but 
kind of in their own universe at the same time. Like, you know, D- White Knight is not unique in that it's it's kind of Elseworlds, it's kind of not, but DC's done stuff like this for a long time. I mean, Long Halloween was like this, Batman Year 100 was like this, you know, Dark Knight, whatever. Like, I think Dan said that they just hadn't done an event like this uh, in a while, and it was nice to see the sales come in because it reminded them, oh, yeah, like, continuity is kind of overwhelming for a lot of people that are, that are out of it. So having an easy book to jump in on is, is very helpful. So you're gathering readers who, they like Batman, but the continuity is overwhelming. So here's an easy one you can just read from issue one. No strings attached, you know. So I think that they're really liking that. Yeah, because I, I feel like it's been going there for a long time. I know Snyder wanted All-Star to have a mature rating for what he wanted to do. And, you know, when, when I when I see shops or cons, whatever, I'd say the, the vast majority of people buying comics or batman on dc comics we're talking 30s 40s 50s even 60s like adult adults and i feel like yeah. that kind of content to be pushed yeah. over the edge just because i feel like it's been on the edge forever and it's just yeah. been waiting yeah. to get that green light with that mature rating and i right. seriously think dc black label is going to change right things the, the whole game i really do because right. i hope so i have uh, my one worry about it is so white knight's doing did, did what it, it's doing and um now a lot of creators are calling DC and saying, hey, I want to do White Knight. I want to do my own thing. How, how did... <laughs> so they're kind of opening the floodgates for artists trying trying to write. And my one worry is I, I know artists and a lot of them don't are not going to research how to write. Yeah. Um, like I know I was kind of joking around about writers before, but I've read, you know, 12 different books on how to write. Like I, I break down movie plots, three-act structures. Like um, artists complain about writers not respecting them. Yet when artists try to write their own books, they don't bother to learn the craft of writing. They think that they just can write because of osmosis or something, right? right. Yeah. So my worry is that the next bunch of White Knight books that DC greenlights are going to be quick. They're going to be written by artists that don't give it a whole, don't give it enough thought, and it's probably going to fall short. I hope they all do really well, of course, because I love. The idea of an artist-writer combo, but I'm hoping that the artists have patience and actually research how to do the most with with that, you know. But inevitably, I'm sure some of them are going to fall short. I'm just a little worried that the floodgates are going to open too quickly. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. This, I don't want to say his name. I won't say his name, but there's one of my favorite artists on DC. It's really good, and he's done it a couple of times. And I feel like he's he just it felt winged and it wasn't good. The writing wasn't good, but his artwork was just up there. So I was like, yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Like, yeah. I mean, if you got a superstar artist and he really wants, and he won't shut up about writing it on his own <laughs> book. Yeah. Give him a book and then let him fall on his ass and then put him on something that sells. Yeah. It's totally a, a tactic that if I was a publisher, I would do it. Right. Um, but to actually do it, to do it well and to prove. And the thing is, nobody made it easy for me to write my own book. Um, there was resistance the whole way, and I don't think they mean to. It's just that comics is an assembly line, and art is step two. And they see the you know art, and then it goes to the colorist, and then it goes to letter, and then whatever. And basically, what you're doing is you're stepping out of line and turning projects down to go stand in a different part of the line. And corporations just have a hard time getting that. Yeah. Um, I actually asked Frank Miller about this in Klaus Janssen, whether they had resistance to doing Dark Knight and what it was like back in the 80s. And I asked him, like, did DC know what they had? Did they really get it? And uh, I heard kind of some different answers, which are really interesting. Uh, Klaus Janssen said, no, they had no idea what they had. <laughs> <laughs> but I asked Frank, and Frank said yes and no. Like, there were people in the office that got it. There were people that knew it was going to be good, but they didn't know how big you know, they certainly didn't know it would inspire movies and, you know, all the shit that's happened. Of course, how could they? 
But you had a lot of people that had no idea, and they were just working their asses off trying to get monthly comics on schedule. They don't have time to sit and appreciate your artistic, weird Batman project, Frank. You know? Well, yeah, what happened was publishing in the beginning, Frank from the studio started elsewhere because they were actually embarrassed by Dark Knight Returns because of how. Oh, uh, is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. how how, uh, uh-huh. like, how different it was, you know, yeah. avant garde or yeah. whatever. But ultimately, you know, well, you know, history yeah. be told. Um, it's, it's so it's so weird, and uh, and I say this with full love to, to DC, but their biggest hits are things that they did kicking and screaming, mm. like the three big books that DC. Four, all right. It, Dark Knight. Uh, they wanted Frank to do a Batman. They didn't really want. I don't know if they imagined that kind of Batman. So they weren't really sure. Uh, they gave it this prestige format, which was expensive risk. But by no means did they were they certain that was going to be a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did it anyway. And kicking and screaming. They did Watchmen. They didn't really want to do Preacher. I don't believe. Um, mm-hmm. Depends on who you ask. Oh, the Killing Joke. Killing, killing Joke. Thank you. Yeah. Like those are the big. Thing is, the book, four books that we walk around and think, yeah, DC Comics, the, these four, the big flags that DC weighs all the time. Yeah. Generally, they're books that they did not want to do. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just well, fascinating but, but, to what know. What are we just talking about? <laughs> no, we, we, we always know it's going to be a hit. <laughs> yeah, those, all four of those are my ideas. Those are all my ideas. Yeah. See, that, that that was like the black label of its time. Those are the groundbreak. Arkham Asylum as well by Grant Morrison, which is, yeah, yeah. Uh, still gives people yeah. nightmares to this day. You mentioned Marvel before, and um, I'm just trying – I had some thoughts about why what Marvel's doing differently than DC. And I'm not knocking Marvel, but it seems like from what I know about DC, and I do have the inside scoop, they seem to be trusting their talent a lot more to right. just – you hired these guys. You're paying them better than what Marvel pays in general. You gotta let them do what they do, and I think uh, Scott actually deserves a lot of credit for creating an environment where the the writers are empowered more and kind of hooking up his friends, playing the political game, getting his ideas to to go through. You know, because the genius of Scott isn't just his writing; it's like how he can play the politics, how he can survive. So he's long a, and he's come a up great salesman too. He's a yeah, yeah yeah. Exactly. So uh, you know, I I don't if if Marvel had a Scott Snyder there kind of taking like sort of taking the steering wheel from the passenger seat every now and then maybe they would have not had these um, bumps in the road um hopefully marvel's on the up and up i mean i I want everyone wants marvel to do better i mean there's two pillars in comics and the house can't stand with with just one pillar (laughs) and then you have like dc on you know sipping coladas on the west coast with jeff Jones and jim lee and everything like that i know over over in and out burgers at lunch (laughs) (laughs) hey uh dan dan do you like in and out burgers yeah it's pretty good you know coming from the east coast i mean it's Good burgers, good burgers. <laughs> you like Shake Shack, man. <laughs> Shake Shack is fine, you know, but uh, you know, you gotta eat, gotta eat in and out when you're on the West Coast. You know? I'm, really, I'm really glad we got Dan here. It's really, really crazy. That's why deal. he came on, dude. He wanted to talk about <laughs> I figured uh, I left you alone for eight months doing White Knight. I might as well pop it down, you know? <laughs> Holy uh, shit, I just saw where you wrote Harley did it. <laughs> 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 nice that we're all getting around to it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty mind blowing. Uh, one of uh, I, I think one of your ideas from White Knight could spawn its own thing. Uh, the Batman Devastation Fund. Uh, I found myself imagining the you know what that meant. Imagining a guy whose job it is to travel around Gotham, collecting up thousands of batarangs, and like he he becomes obsessed with batarangs, you know. And every time Batman like changes it, you know, makes a new model of batarang, he he keeps one of those, and he has oh, yeah. this, yeah. this collection. 
them and he's just yeah. obsessed with them. Yeah. Uh, well, that's I, an idea that's going to definitely cross over into other books, I guarantee. Uh, I, I hope so, man. I mean, um, so I used to live in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, which was right off the um, Utica stop, which is a rough neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember that this Bed-Stuy got extra financing for impact zones or whatever they're called. So they had an extra funding to get more cops on foot within two blocks of um, Stuyvesant Avenue, or I haven't been there for a while, I forget the, the street. And I thought, well, that's, that's really interesting. And I can, you can sort of put the pieces together about how real estate scams kind of work. And the thing is, they're not really illegal. I mean, it's, un, it's not moral, and you're pushing out blue-collar, hardworking people, and often cases minorities, in exchange for, like, you know, trust fund kids <laughs> who come in and, you know, turn everything into a hipster bar or whatever. Damn, hipsters, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I um, for if there was a sequel, I would probably explore that idea more and maybe talk about the person who created the fund and how, you know, he or she represents her clients and how pissed off they are that now they can't make money on Batman and have hmm. Jason Todd kill some hipsters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you had you know Bruce Wayne find out that people are profiting off you know, yeah. Batman and he, that fucking pissed him off. And so I can guarantee you, he's probably going to go yeah. after those people that are, that are pulling that shit. You yeah. Know? yeah. Hmm. That's funny. That was one of the critiques I got. Someone said that they didn't think it made sense. Of course, Bruce knows where his money is. And, uh, I don't know. I guess my version of Bruce is less coordinated. He doesn't always see the angles. Um, and he's so busy being Batman that how can he possibly watch where every penny he makes is going? Well, I think it's also, you know, to those readers that that think that you got to realize that this guy's, you know, stressed out with Alfred being, yeah. you know, sick. Yeah. Of course, he's not going to see all the angles. Yeah. 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 He's got tunnel vision, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> edit, edit, edit that out. Edit that out. Edit that out. Unblock. Unblock. I blocked one person. Block one person now. <laughs> um, yeah, man, that was, that was funny because my editor would we would get into arguments about what Batman would do, and his version of Batman is uh, he plays Arkham Asylum like all the time. But fuck. Batman's always step ahead, and Batman's this, Batman's that, and I'm like, man, I think you think way more of Batman than I do. I, I like the dumbed down version of Batman where he misses the angles. He doesn't always figure it out. Like sometimes he escapes by the skin of his teeth. Yeah. Like I just I think he's more interesting if he's more flawed. There was an episode of animated series where um, Batman had Scarecrow's gas. Uh, he was exposed to the gas and he lost all his fear. So he was taking these massive risks and like driving the car like a maniac, walking into gunfire and just punching people out. And even Tim Drake was like, dude. Did you get hit by the gas? And uh, it was like ultra aggressive, angry Bruce Wayne. And I, that version of Bruce always stuck with me. And I think that that's sort of the character I based my Bruce Wayne off of. You know, like short, curt, aggressive, a little closed off and uh, sort of blinded by his duty. And that's kind of where Jack Napier just schools mm. him, you know. Is it is it safe to say or ask that, uh, is Batman your favorite uh, comic book character? Yeah. yeah. He's the one that I know the most about. Right. Like you said, I was an animated series kid after school, yeah. um, and I, I don't read as much as I should. I did as much research as I could to put the book together, um, but I'm just not familiar with JLA as much or you know mm. any of that stuff. You know, like I've got ideas for what I would do with Wolverine and how I reinvent Gambit. 
But it's mostly based off of cartoons and TV. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the golden stuff right there, man. Oh, yeah, I'd yeah. love it if you did Daredevil. Oh, man. Hey, yeah. man, chill. We got to keep him on the, the right side. Bro. Okay, yeah. <laughs> hey, I was just saying, you know, I mean. Yeah, no, I would no, love no. to go to, to Marvel and have them pay me less money to do Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> bam, 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 bam. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Wouldn't get free comps. You'd have to buy them on Amazon. Yeah, you have to oh, buy them. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that? By the way, did you see how uh, Tom uh, King had to buy his? Oh, he had to get his editor to buy him an issue yeah. of uh, Vision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? To go back to like not sharing the movie money, I know why that happens. I know who's making that decision, and I know that they just want Marvel to be separate, and they want Marvel to pay their own rent. But I mean, at this point, think of Marvel as you're. You know, not even about Marvel. Think about comics in general. All of this is R&D. The slice of the pie, the Batman pie, it's mostly made up of movies, Arkham Asylum, uh, Batman, pajamas. The smallest slice is probably comics. Yeah. I love comics. No offense, comics. But as far as what Batman is worth, and we're all, we all understand business to some degree, comics is probably not a big part of it. But as an idea farm, as content generator, as R&D, mm. it's totally worth investing in. You know, Like who's to say there won't be, you know, uh, Court of Owls pajamas someday, you know. Thanks Shit. to Scott Snyder. Or, or, or yeah. Court of Owls water gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you made a Robin water gun, would it fit inside the Batman water gun? Jesus. I just want a Dan DeDio water gun. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a good point though. But the funny, the the, the the oddest thing about that cycle is the fact that comic books, comic books is is the format that generates all the ideas that have, that eventually yeah. flood out to the merch and the video games yeah. and the movies and whatnot. So yeah. it's it's strange. It's almost like it balloons out shaft. from that. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. it's like where do you want to to frame this, the is comics healthy right now? So how do you want to look at it? Are you going to include movies and video games? Then absolutely, comics is healthy. Um, I asked DC once. Do you guys actually pay your own rent? Like the money that comics makes, does it more than you make a profit every year just based on comics? And what I was basically asking was, do you get uh, assistance money from Warner Brothers just to stay afloat? You know, kind of asking like, are we in trouble here? Should I be worried? You know, that that kind of conversation. Hmm. And they said, yeah, they do make money. They they more than break even. They turn a giant profit. I would I would hope Marvel can say that as well. Even if they don't, it's still worth making these things just as content. You know, mm. like you, I don't. Yeah, I, I think it is healthy, and people are getting nervous for no reason. But um, I'm yeah, guys, I, ima- imagine the negative effect and the sh- the shockwave that would go through even the the world of the Marvel movie fans if Disney just folded uh, yeah. the the comic division and people said, oh. Yeah. What what are the movies going to do now? They they're not even right. making any more comics. Yeah, I mean, what what Disney spends on office supplies international is probably more expensive than what it costs to run Marvel. <laughs> what I mean, they spend on employee birthday parties. Yeah. <laughs> finally, he's finally letting us edit something for once. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Sean, keep talking to. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta work on my, my damn. Easy, it comes from the back of the throat. You just plug up the nose. But, but from all our friends at, at DC that we talked to and everything, it seems like there's this um, overall 
energy of, of, of passion almost. It feels like it's creator driven now. People get to do more what they want to do and editorial is not as harsh on them. And like I said, Jim Lee and Jeff Johns overseeing a lot of things as well. Do you feel like it's a it's a, a more positive environment than it's ever been over at that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. But, you know, my, my experience is very different than most people in comics. I mean, That's true. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to sound like, I mean, I, I've got like the, you're like a consultant goal. almost. You know? Yeah, at this yeah. point, like, I mean, I, I have a series of tweets and then it's in the CBR the next day. So I, <laughs> I, I, I say. But, I mean, I, I have a book that's selling well. They generally leave me alone, do do what I, give me what I want, and, you know, I give them what they want, and it, it works. It's a good trade. So, I, I mean, the trials and tribulations of the average artist, I'm kind of unaware of sometimes. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's healthy. It seems like it's a better place to be at the moment i know you know marvel was hemorrhaging artists and uh dc sort of felt like a lifeboat yeah. for a while and you know they say you know there's only so many people we can help you yeah, know they, they threw bendis yeah. a life raft and shit i missed that i didn't see the fucking advertisements they put in my book for that <laughs> oh man <laughs> oh shit that's right don't yeah, worry it won't be in the absolute though a dc publishing line too you know, it won't be in a white knight absolute. That's a must, man. That is such yeah. A... No, I've got um Ross. I think we're pushing towards an absolute, like a Thank oversized, God. hardbound, uh, yeah. lots of goodies in the back, like a uh, raw scans of the pencils and. Yeah, that's. Um, just... Yeah, I kind of saved. I saved everything in anticipation of that stuff. Well, who awesome. um, I want to ask, who, like, who's your favorite artist at DC? Like, who do you look at and you're like? That guy, that guy's... Uh, you know, I, I think my most artist, artist I'm most impressed with is probably Capullo. Yeah. Well, just because it's not just the art. It's it's like the whole mindset. It's his experience. It's how he protects himself. It's how he how hardworking he is. Mm. It's like the whole thing. You know, it's... Like, I probably have more in common with different artists um, as far as style and all that. But Greg really has... Like, I, when we hang out, I usually do a lot of listening because, like, I want to know what he knows and how he did what he did. And, you know, he's just a great guy. So I, I think I'm mostly in awe of, uh, of Greg. I know that's a safe answer, but it's also true. No, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I buy the hard balance of uh, the Snyder Capullo run for New 52. And I would just yeah. I would just pull him out, when, you know, whatever, at a time. And I would just yeah. flip and, and just, like, visually study how he breaks things down and... I don't yeah. know what it is about him. He, 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 it's the experience and his uh, diligence and everything that just goes into it. Like what he did with for the finale of Metal. Yeah. Uh, and and then the 10th Metal, was it 10th Metal Suits? I'm just like, this guy yeah. just, he, he just yeah. knows how to construct comic book art, you know? And just, yeah. And, and it's, it's evidenced in how nearly universal that reply is. You know, anyone you yeah. ask, uh, you know, like Jason Fabic says the same thing. G- if Jim you ask Lee him, too. Like, yeah. Greg Capullo. Yeah. And Jim Lee yeah. Greg Capullo. Yeah. Yeah, Jim cracked the code too. He was, you know, I'm sure he taught Greg a few things, mm. or you know, Todd would be another good example. I mean, um, I don't know. Like, I, I know a lot of artists are really talented. The thing that I'm more impressed by these days is when you're not just talented, but you've got your shit together. You've got, you know, a plan. Um, you read your contract before you sign it. You know, yeah. like artists that, that die young or die poor or need handouts online. I mean, it's sad, but some most a lot of them don't protect themselves. You know, mm. it's just not in your nature to to get out in front of it and to sort of fight for your family um, and what what you deserve. You know, I mean, honestly, like watching that Bill Finger documentary. Uh, did you guys see that? 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I, we actually had uh, we had Athena come on the show to talk about that at the time it came out. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. So I I really loved it, and I you know I probably agree that you know Bob. Thank you. Bob King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he probably was more of a villain, but you know there's a scene where I think he and Bill Finger met in a park after '66 Batman came out, after Batman was making millions of dollars, and you know I think. They claim they were still friends. It's like, well, why didn't you fucking say anything, Bill? Why didn't you say, hey, asshole, you mind giving me some money this way? Like, I'm, I'm poor. I'm living in the same apartment. It's, it's sad that Bill didn't know how to fix it. It fell on his granddaughter to dress it, which she stressed her the fuck out, you know? Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't want to get Bill fingered. Is what I say. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, not if you're not into it, I guess. <laughs> uh, no means no. Yeah. Well, I, I was kind of asking for it. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least have him buy your dinner first. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 such a crazy story because you know, give or take, Batman at this point is the most probably when you count stories, the most prolific fictional character in history. And probably, mm-hmm. give or take, the most lucrative. And this man, the writer, oh, yeah. who created yeah. the universe, was yeah. died poor and alone. I mean, it, it's just mind-blowing that yeah. none of this happened. Yeah, you know? yeah and who would have known? Like, who would have known that just something you're having fun with and right. doing is, is going to end up becoming this thing? So you're right, you know, people sometimes yeah. don't, they don't see the future. Yeah. They don't look ahead. They don't know how to plan. And Yeah, yeah. And yeah. The, Luckily, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's funny. I often, well... As, as an artist to overcome that struggle of knowing how to hire a lawyer and do all this stuff correctly, I can't. I tend to be a little harsh on artists that get screwed over. And I'm not saying the artist should... Like tough should, love? Yeah, like, dude, you didn't read your contract? What are you thinking? Like, I, I can give you my lawyer's number, but she's not going to be able to help you out. Like, mm. where, where is your wife? Why didn't she ask to read your contract? Like, why don't you... you know, <laughs> Yeah. I start coming cracking down really hard. Because, um, <laughs> you get all McFarlane on their asses. I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if he and I met, we would just touch each other's fingers and time cop and become the same person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I can't help but hear some sob stories, and it's 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 tragic what what happens yeah. to some, these people. But on the other hand, I'm like, mm, you couldn't have avoided that if you tried. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's the same, like, you know, say what you will sometimes about Neil Adams. People have stories about him. But yeah. that that guy, it's like, was one of the first to know yeah. how to protect himself and how to teach others how to protect themselves, too, in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's still, like, I, you can't blame companies for trying to take everything they can. That's what free market and capitalism is. Yeah. Um, you can't blame them for that. And artists are not wired to protect themselves, so the suits are going to run, you know, trample these guys and girls it's tough because a lot of creators (laughs) like to they just like to zone out work on their shit and it's it's takes so much mental energy for them to deal with that other side of the house when they just want to work and create so they get taken advantage of unfortunately you know artists are experts at getting fucked over they're really good at it and i'm not trying to sound mean but i just i would love it if our people were more would pay more attention to this or if they would teach it more in schools or uh, if you at least knew how to get a lawyer to read it for you. There, there's, yeah. a, right. there's a really good book called Art-Work, and it's it's it came out by uh, two lawyers that were yeah. doing pro bono for artists uh, put it out. And it's a book that every artist should buy and read and explains every way to protect yourself, protect your work, copyright your work, contracts, yeah. 
all that stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah they, they, they should yeah, there really should be some like mandatory yeah. education for artists. Yeah. Guys, you know? Yeah. Like, dude, stop rereading The Killing Joke. Just read this book about business and this will save you, you know, thousands of dollars of a mistake. You mm. know? Yeah. Gramps, you got that a lightning round, brother? Oh, lightning round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Sean, and we do this thing called lightning round and it's kind of like, you know, Sometimes it's related to the conversation, but most of the time it's just just to get to know you a little bit better for yeah, our yeah. listeners and stuff like that. So, how much do you bench press? <laughs> uh, not as much as I'd like. Uh, um, Snyder said you're a beast, boy. I don't know. No stories. <laughs> no, I uh, my what I'm good at in the gym is I'm good at setups and like I remember like when you were in uh, gym class and you have the presidential challenge. Back in the day, oh, yeah. I remember yeah. I used to excel at push-ups and sit-ups, but I sucked at doing pull-ups. And uh, no matter how hard I try to get better at pull-ups, I just can't. I can't whip them out like some guys can, some girls can, you know. But I could probably bench Scott Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Against his will. Pre-Mexico <laughs> oh. trip or post-Mexico trip? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, a long time ago now, I think it's been. Uh, we had uh, John Samariva on the show. Uh, do you think you could out bench press John? Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the it's the biggest guys I know in comics are. I don't know what it is, but I hang out with really uh, loud alpha males in comics. Like, uh, <laughs> like Tim Townsend is like a linebacker. Uh, he's uh, a really great anchor. He's giant. He'll pick me up by my nipples, but I'm not looking. Oh my god! And, uh, and, he, and he, uh, he won't let me spill my beer at the same time. So <laughs> let's get him on the show. <laughs> so uh, what was your what was your first car that you ever owned? Because I know you love cars. Mm. I had a uh, 1988 Honda CRX SI, two-seater sports car, um, manual transmission, and uh, I. It's kind of a cult car. Like uh, you don't see them because they rust out really easily. But I remember selling it in LA when I lived in Hollywood, and I sold it to a Marine for like 900 bucks. And I probably could have sold that thing anywhere else in LA for five thousand dollars. It's such a. If you see one of those now, like drivers with a capital D, like driver drivers, recognize that as like that thing can take a Ferrari from zero to thirty probably. Wow. Um, after that, no way. <laughs> I mean, it is a Honda. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really proud to have that kind of car uh, mm. as my first car. Then I had a Ford um, Ranger for a while, and uh, I got the Datsun going now. And I'm not sure what I'll buy next. You're, you're from uh, so, New Hampshire, is it? Or yeah, I grew up in um, uh, Derry, New Hampshire. Uh, graduated in '99, cool. and uh, I lived in LA for a bit. I lived in New York, uh, Colorado, and uh, now I'm up in uh, Portland, Maine. So who is your least favorite superhero, and how would you change them to be badass? Oh, man. wish I had that one earlier. I could give you a better answer. Um, <laughs> I Well, okay. I like Gambit a lot, but I don't know why. The cards, the hair, the jacket, I don't know what it is about Gambit, because we all agree he's sexy. Whether you're gay or straight, we all know Gambit is hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I never understood why the hot pink. That just makes no sense. And I feel like they're still trying to not give him hot pink, but hot pink always is a part of Gambit. And I, I told myself, you know what I'm going to do one day, if I ever work for Marvel, is uh, I want to do a Gambit story called Gambit Hot Pink. And it <laughs> explains why it's hot pink. 
But I want it to be like tear jerking, Eisner nominated, like blow you out of the water. Like you buy you know, like ho ho Gambit Hot Pink, and then you are just wrecked by the story about why Hot Pink is so important. I don't know uh, what so, I would do with so, that. So so it's not just gonna be as simple as like, oh, it's the color of love. <laughs> oh man, you stole my idea. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know what I'd do with it, but I know oh, that, great. that's gotta be the title. <laughs> no, no, no. If it doesn't work, we're just going to reinvent it. Don't worry about it. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So, what's your go to karaoke song? Um, maybe another one bites the dust. Ooh. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Nice. Yeah. All right. I like, I like so, our, our friend Legends of Lego Batman here, he, he is a refined collector with exquisite taste. Um, <laughs> so, should he, should or should not he buy your Sean Murphy black and white statue? He should. He should buy one for all of you guys. Oh! Shit! Getting into the funds, baby. Get some more overtime on that fucking schedule, bitch. There you go, Legends. I don't want to hear another peep until you get that statue. Heard it from the man. The man. Go hit that eBay app right now, boy. How did you guys all meet each other? We, I guess, collecting. Just collecting, reading, and on the internet. Yeah. Um, there's this site called Grinder that we, <laughs> we noticed we yeah. were into the same things, and then yeah. we kind of, we started talking on Skype as just just in a, a way to just talk, and then after a while we we're like we should probably record these. Yeah. So on on, on, on Grinder, you all had the same avatar. It was a picture of the Batman squirt gun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I found uh, I found Tom under the uh, bears category and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is a squirrel a squirrel a thing or a deer? No, I forget all the different ways. Bears, bears, otters. Crazy story because when I was uh, there was so many hard there, there was a lot of emergence of hardcore Batman fans with like combo collections, radio collections, like posting, and then uh, DMs went up like the, that uh, yeah. DM option went up, and then it was a lot of people were starting DMs all over the place, and mm-hmm. at that time there was a lot of people. Um, as well, on the other side, there was like a there's a lot of like plagiarists out there and spammers and and kind of like actual negativity in, in the world of fandom or whatever you want to call it. And um, <laughs> a couple of us were like looking at the chemistry and the DMs were like, you 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 and you, right? Pull them into another meeting and it was like, you know what, you know here's the idea, here's the blueprint. In a year from right. now, we could do this and then we could build up to yeah. the podcast and work with DC, whatever. And yeah. uh, it's been history ever since. But, but it really started on the premise of we wanted to be united to form like a force, but really to combat negativity. Like people were getting their yeah. written work stolen online and copied and, and posted on the internet about like comic book history and Batman and whatnot. And, and but there was mm-hmm. bullying too that we wanted yeah. to combat. So it, it was. Yeah. And, and plus we're all fucking nuts. We're, yeah. we're, we're a little <laughs> off. And it was weird because ironically, like we're each from every major city. In North America, yeah. pretty much, which is really strange, right. actually. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, yeah that, that was us. <laughs> yeah. How did, uh, when did Dan DiDio join? Oh, uh, uh, that was a contract. You know, you say I kind of always been here. I've always been here. <laughs> sure, you know, uh, coming there, from the there, East Coast. No, I, <laughs> Dan, Dan came about because uh, I think we just, came, I mean, to be honest, just the stuff that was happening, I think right around like 2010, and then, uh, and then the, the New 52 relaunch. Um, kind of reinvigorated not just DC Comics, but comics in general. And obviously Dan and, and, and Jim are like the co-publishers, so we just kind of had fun just talking about what we yeah, did. Yeah. 
what, what we think conversations might be behind the scenes with yeah. you know, what gets brought up and crazy right. ideas that get approved and stuff. But, <laughs> and then we've also, you know, we've run into him at conventions. And, yeah. you know, we joke, but Dan's probably, at least to fans, he's yeah. like one of the fucking nicest dudes that I've met personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's good at that. Does he's anybody do a... Voice. Does anybody do a good Jim Lee impression? <laughs> so that's oh, hard. Tom, Jim I, is such I, a, he's, he's really so soft spoken. Yeah. yeah. And you I'll, can't, I'll just, work on you it. can't just do a voice of an Asian guy because that would be the problem. <laughs> 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 he doesn't sound just like that, though. You know what's funny? It's uh, Jim, the, uh, I've run into Jim yeah. times, like at concerts, because he's a, he's a big like concert goer and he's really good friends with uh, John from System of a Down. Hmm. Yeah. So I actually ran into him backstage at a System of a Down concert. Nice. And it's, it's funny because I was drunk backstage at a metal <laughs> concert, and I run into Jim Lee, and I start asking him comic book questions. Yeah, I'm sure it was fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, really, I can't even go to a show backstage without being discovered. <laughs> Some nerd tracked me down. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get sometimes we get Jason Statham on here. Uh, He's been wonder, on a while. Yeah, I wonder if we can call him up. <laughs> I've been reading this uh, this book called White Knight. It's uh, it's pretty good. I'd probably cast myself as uh, something of. Uh, the white knight myself. Yeah. You know what? I would cast Jason. I would cast you as Jason Todd. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Except oh. I beat the Joker's ass. <laughs> With a squirt gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd stick the switchblade up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> then I'd transport myself somewhere else. I feel like we're going to drive up the sales of uh, Batman squirt guns out there. <laughs> I'm already on eBay, boy. <laughs> Well, I thought that I thought that's what Doctor Freeze gun was. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. It's basically yeah, a freeze a squirt gun that you plug into a source or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so if you had a superpower, what would it be? Oh man, um, uh, he's like I, I have all uh, of them already. I beat deadlines. I need to out outrun cops. <laughs> <laughs> And then talk your way at, talk your way out of tickets. That'd be good. So basically, like a really attractive, talented female driver who can talk your <laughs> way. Out basically, like a Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's a step up for Star Wars at this point. <laughs> all, right, all right. Finally, we so, get to talk about Star Wars. Yeah. Finally, oh, conversation. Oh, <laughs> oh. All right. So, what type what type of pizza do you like? Do you like the Chicago deep dish? New no, York. Fuck that. Yeah, yeah he said. Right. Yeah, he said. Fuck that, Trunkler. Take yeah. that, Trunkler. That's a bias. Cheese soup. I don't need that. Yeah. Oh, 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 John, John, get the fuck out. Of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love. I love when I'm. So I was in New York for ten years, so I'm gonna call myself a New Yorker. And people from Chicago are so mad at New York. <laughs> and you know what? New York doesn't give a shit about you, Chicago. <laughs> oh shit! I, I tell him it every day. So he doesn't. Yeah. I, oh man. New Yorkers like accidentally fly through you sometimes through O'Hara, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Chicago's a thing." <laughs> so, wait, oh man. Sean, you were so, so Sean, you were in, you were in Brooklyn. So please tell me that you never ate at a place called Antonio's Pizza. No. Okay. Thank God. No. I break my friend's balls by Flatbush all the time because it's just uh, it's, no, uh man. Yeah, man. I couldn't go near Flatbush or Williamsburg. I didn't know what a hipster was until I went there, and I just hated these people immediately. Yeah, you, well, you, <laughs> well, you're my new best friend. <laughs> the, the, 
Take your cars and your meat eating and go somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) He's excreting too much masculinity. I need to tweet about that. Do you have any idea what cars do to the environment? (laughs) Yo, man, I can bench press Scott Snyder. Don't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's, like we've got (laughs) we have uh, a voice drop from Tom King where he's saying I write Batman, bitch. But you just topped that. It gets harder. And right, Batman. Yeah, it gets harder as he gets older too. <laughs> Sean, if if you could have dinner with any per any human being in history, dead or alive, who would it be? Uh, Carl Sagan. Oh wow! Oh, oh, yeah. oh, I was big into uh, space, and you know, I don't know. After I gave up, I was Reformed Catholic, and. Yeah, like I think the reading all of his books, he just came to me. You know, the universe introduced me to Carl Sagan at the right time. Wow. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like whenever you, know, you get so caught up in comics and Twitter and drama and all this nitpicky bullshit that uh, it's nice to like think about like how giant the universe is and how I don't really matter and comics don't matter and how we're all gonna die anyway. <laughs> Dude, do you know how much <laughs> space junk is orbiting the Earth right now? Uh, oh yeah! Oh my it's, God! There's like a real-time website that shows all the debris and nuts and bolts and yeah. just like how the fuck do we even leave now? It's crazy. I know. There's like traffic at that. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the more you read about that stuff, like how you know Yellowstone is a super volcano that should have exploded sixty thousand years ago, mm-hmm. and and it does. It destroys us all. And you don't want to go down the dark hole of learning too much of that stuff. Ignorance is bliss, I think. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So true. That's good. But I mean, whenever I get bogged down by Twitter bullshit or whatever's happening in comics that week, I just think, you know, man, one day you're gonna die. <laughs> no one's gonna remember either of us. No one's gonna care about Batman. So just keep it in check. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. If you ever read, um, you ever heard of David Mitchell, the Br- the British author? He um he wrote this book called uh, Cloud Atlas. Yeah, and it, it yeah. goes. It's like inverted time lapse of our, of the, our history. And like deep, deep, deep into the future, there's like statues and giant rock structures built of like this this TV character because yeah. so much time has elapsed and so much has went into this character. Like the way almost Batman is that the yeah. humanity eventually turned him into a god. It's it's crazy when you think about shit like that. That's true. I mean, because Batman's gonna survive longer than any of us will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, it's nice to put. That's that's the nice thing about doing this for a living is you do kind of have a legacy. You know, when I'm dead and people stop giving a shit, like my book will still be around. And people that's can true. read it and be like, oh yeah, this guy was, yeah, adding it his own. It was Harley money. the whole time. It was Harley. The aliens that discover it and they look at the first cover and they're like, Harley did it. We don't need to read this. The answer of the book. Is right? <laughs> 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 Let's go get a pizza. Not that. <laughs> no soup. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no soup for actually, you. Yeah. <laughs> We're driving. Dude. We're driving. Speaking of which, uh, because Sean, you said you've lived in LA. You've lived yeah. in New York. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You, oh. Oh. I, I gotta. I gotta pop the question. Everyone, put your helmets on, man. Here we go. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh shit. Because we're taking a shit on Chicago style. What? What? What do you prefer? Shake Shack or In and Out? Do I have? I'm a health nut. I'm both of those places. Uh... You both are poison too. Yeah. yeah. I guess like, in in and out because you can technically stay somewhat on diet. I didn't boom, know. boom, 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 boom. Shake Shack is just yeah. 
Uh, what, what's a, a restaurant you guys are a restaurant chain you guys are embarrassed to admit that you like? Oh man, uh, mm. Taco Bell. Yeah, you know I might be there with you. Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah. garbage. But when... <laughs> <laughs> there's like some sort of uh, enzyme that that uh, that activates when you're drunk that it tastes like uh, angel poop. I don't know what it is. <laughs> there's a thing you that guys... we have here at Taco Bell. I don't know if you guys have it there. Uh, I, it's it's a natural thing in Canada because we have a, a staple food here called poutine. Oh yeah, which is yeah fries with cheese and gravy basically. Yeah. yeah. So the Taco Bells here have uh, a thing called the Fries Supreme, and it's basically fries with the entire contents of a taco on top of it. Yeah. Ooh. And it's it's like just that. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I think I just gave me a coronary just hearing about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to, yeah. have to ask Scott to come, uh, Trunkler to come over later to unclog my toilet after that one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did, did somebody say that their tacos taste like angels diarrhea or something? Yeah, did someone actually say that? That's what yeah. it tastes like. The angel shit taco. I would try that. Well, folks, thanks again for tuning in to part one of our exclusive interview with Sean Murphy. Make sure to subscribe to Bat Force Radio on iTunes and our SoundCloud so you don't miss part two of our interview, which will be After Hours with Sean Murphy and the Bat Force. Till then. Hey, Gotham dwellers. Make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.